welcome to episode 171 of the Collector's Quest podcast. In this episode, we are starting a new series called Collecting the History Of, where we are looking at a topic and going through things like important releases and historical firsts, and what better place to start than with Mario. Uh, we do have a new theme song, which I totally forgot to give credit for in the last episode, so let me make it very clear up front. Uh, our new theme song is by Ape Bit Music, A-P-E, like the monkey, and uh, he's got a Twitter, he's got a Bandcamp, apebit.bandcamp.com, so thank you very much for the new theme song. I'm very sorry, I forgot to shout you out in the last episode, because he definitely made this for us for free, because he's a fan of the show. And uh, you know the thing, tell your mom about the show, and give us five stars on iTunes, and let's go. <laughs> To another episode of Collector's Quest. I'm Tyler here with Johnny. Johnny. <laughs> if you don't start the show with this, I'm gonna be so mad. Hey, welcome back to another, yeah, episode, another episode of Collector's, of Collector's Quest. Quest. I'm Tyler, I'm Tyler here, here with Johnny, with Johnny. and Stefan. 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 Hey What's guys. Going on, guys. What's going on? I don't answer questions. Uh, Tyler, tell hey, me guys. about this. Uh, Tell me about this uh, GTA that sold for two thousand dollars. What's up with that? Uh, there was a first print sealed big box GTA on the eBay. Why? What's up with it? Do you actually see people talking about it? I saw it in the big box well, PC. Yeah, group. you. Oh, did I? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Are people mentioning this? I thing? saw. I saw it on the big box PC game collectors thing, and I'm like, oh, I should tell Tyler about this. And I looked in the com first comment, Tyler. Oh, <laughs> that's me. I like being places. Yeah, it's uh. So there's there's two at least that I know of two major variants of the first American ASC Games uh, Grand Theft Auto release. The one that doesn't have the text in the top left corner of the box that says original and uncensored. No text is the first print. One of them came up sealed, pretty rough shape. Like the box is structurally there, but just like a bunch of dings and dents all over it, and it sold for nineteen hundred dollars, which. I don't know. It kind of expected um, the guy who bought it showed up in the in the group and someone had to point out to me that the guy who actually bought it showed up in the group and I, I didn't realize who he was talking about it. And at some point he was like arguing with someone over the price and what it's worth and all that. And he called it the underlying asset. And I'm like, oh, yeah, this is the guy who bought it. He's calling it an underlying asset. It's just <laughs> like a fractional share asset. investing company. Yep. I wouldn't mind having that. I bid 600 bucks on that. I knew I wasn't going to win it for 600 bucks, but uh, I, I have no idea what's going on in PC games, because I, I don't think people people want to pretend they don't exist, but oh man, they do. Uh-oh, Stefan. You could send him over to the investment grading services, IGS. I, I got in trouble on Facebook the other day when I, the, the Mario 64 that's like going for $100,000 or whatever right now. I'm sorry, um, is that real? Yeah. But I made a comment. I was like, hey, I wonder how many of these <laughs> the high bidder already has. <laughs> people didn't like that. Why didn't people like that? Uh, I don't know. People are uncomfortable with that. The hobby is super set up now for people to just make themselves wealthy. 
It's so it's a hundred thousand dollars is the bid plus twenty thousand dollars in buyer's premium plus tax and whatever. So it's at least a hundred twenty thousand dollars right now. You think that's going to a fucking collector? It's not going to a collector. Like, oh, this is gonna be my one copy of Mario. It's going to a dealer or an investor, or it's getting locked up in a vault. It's not like something someone's gonna keep on their shelf and have one copy. Why not? How do you know that's not? How do you know it's not some collector who hasn't been saving his whole life for this moment to spend a hundred thousand plus on a Mario sixty four, which also shows extremely lines. bad taste. By the way, excuse uh, like, me, Johnny. Boo! Johnny, you're the, don't you're, don't get in here with your Mario sixty four is the best Mario bull. <laughs> it looks like somebody put Mario in a garbage disposal and then like, they're like, oh, but it's 3D, so it's fine. No, it looks like garbage. It's garbagey. John, Johnny, you're the financial analyst among us. I, yeah. I've, wh- I've, I've, I've what would you questions. like to know? This is what I was said when I was referencing people being set up to like make themselves wealthy. Like, I, I, I guess I, I have this idea in my head that like there's people out there who are like hoarding games that were at one point common sealed or even even the ones that aren't common sealed like for instance that uh there's there's a um collector that had or an investor collector that has like 10 sealed copies of chrono trigger like is is a person like that do you think a person like that is like set up now to be able to just like wait until one of these hits auction and then just jack the price through the goddamn ceiling and and then get rich quick off the copies that they that they have like stored away I like I don't like to say get rich quick, especially in, in a world where what a, is actually like rich is uh, is such an astronomical number that sure, yeah. like what we consider to be uh you know well off is or very well off is I guess it, it's I'm, not really I'm, I'm curious that. about the I'm curious about the likelihood of someone intentionally it, absolutely that's this whole market the, yeah. If if you want my perspective, you know, there's been a, a building tide of collectors slash investors um, who have been in early and on the train and they have, and this is before WADA too, that there, these people existed. So it's, it wasn't just sure. this. People were trying this with VGA, you know, WADA has helped solidify some of it that came in. They bought lots of early sealed stuff. They've been holding on to it. They've been, poly- and this is not a model that was created from video games. It's, it's happened in comics and sports cards and toys. Like, so the, like this hoarder type of, of uh collector slash investor who is out there, who's just been taking this in waiting for their moment to like pitch them back upon the market. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, gaming was kind of one that you could see coming. So there was a lot of easy prep time for these people. Mm-hmm. Um, and then even in the early days of water, when we're like, Oh my God, this thing is going for a thousand dollars or $2,000, $800 Mike Tyson. Good yeah, guy. We're like, oh my God. And now it's like, those all look like bargains. And you know, there was a lot of people in at that time. who were saying, these are steals. You should be buying all these that you can. And those people, you know, if they're understanding that the market could get to this, uh, cause they had an experience in other markets, then yeah, absolutely. And you know, there was those people. And yeah, to I be saw. clear, I'm not disparaging those people. You can, it's a, it's a free country to free world, uh, like free world marketplace. Yeah, go ahead, go make your money. I'm I'm okay with that. Does it does it rankle me that I didn't do it? No, absolutely not, because that's not how I collect. I collect on a completely different axis, and these people are on a different axis. And there's no sure. there's no right or wrong. Um, but do I think these people are making money hand over fist on what 
on an opportunity they, they saw. Sure. Uh, do some of those people then come uh, back on Facebook and they act like a little bit scummy? Oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah. It's not like yeah, I want to talk to those people or be friends part, with them. The only part in that chain that I actually, that I that I strongly dislike, right? Like, I don't yeah, care yeah. that people out there making hordes of money. I care that they're making hordes of money and being f***ing shit about it. They act like, oh, well, we were just doing this and they don't understand why people are upset. When, the false ignorance there is is particularly guiling. Like, you don't understand why a bunch of, like, maybe younger or even, like, middle-class people are upset that they can't, like, that a game that they just played as a kid is suddenly a $10,000. Are they entitled to have that game for $50? No, I'm not talking about entitled. But, like, if you can't understand where their disappointment lies, then you're, you know, you're a bad human. Like, just, you can, you can still make your money and then still understand why when so, someone's access to their nostalgia or the thing they think is their nostalgia, uh, what, what, why they, why they can't get it. If you don't have empathy for that moment, you know, like what is the matter with you? That's a, that's a you problem. If you're just like, well, you should be richer than don't be such a poor person. Like get a better is, job. That, yeah. That's not the right. Oh, well I told everyone they should be investing in this because these are assets, you know, go f- yourself. Okay. Don't, don't just talk just to get people. it now. It's only going to go up. Yeah. Yeah, or that person. Rejoice well, I don't in know. You. Yeah, yeah. Rejoice in the value, everybody. Uh, you know, you could leverage other assets to obtain this if you really loved it. Like you get that talk. Also, a lot of these fake idiots act like they're financial wizards or experts because they're like, I know about markets. You're like, you're not. You're not a stockbroker. You don't have any financial knowledge outside of this maybe one specific arena. Maybe you just got lucky. You could have bought Taboo the Sixth Sense and probably doubled your money in the past year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, you're not a genius, okay? So, so like, don't, cu- don't come at me. Like, suddenly, you got a lot to say because I know finances. I'm an investor now. And you're just like, get out of here. What is this? Please stop it. Also, like... Who comes into conversations talking to people like that? It's amazing. Uh, I could write I, you a list. I I know, you know, <laughs> because sometimes I get involved in like, I'll mention something on Facebook group where nobody knows me, which is uh, amazing. And they talk to me like, like, you don't know. I've been in this for a long time. I'm like, oh yeah. Is it like three whole years? Cool. <laughs> cool. You're right. I don't know anything about games. That's cool. Please, please continue to talk to me like I just got here because you don't know me from anywhere else that's cool and it's not like my name should carry any weight but you know i i'm it's easy enough to see if i know anything about games you can look if i google hang tab uh, johnny iucci is like the first thing that comes up well after uh, uh kenneth's article now so yeah you know i did not uh, expect this topic to be so spicy but i'm <laughs> glad it was this is a good spicy intro i mean it's people are crazy i I, I'm I'm happy with people making money. Go make your money. I don't care if you get games graded. I don't care if you paid $100,000 for a game. That's cool. Like, whatever. If you've got the money, then do it. I'm also not mad at people who buy yachts. You know, that doesn't really... That also doesn't affect me. I'm not like, well, I wanted a yacht. I, I, don't, I don't care about that. I do care that, you know, we sometimes will be in the same space. And I would appreciate it if you weren't such a huge see you next Tuesday about it. So, you know, why are you always starting fights with these people, Johnny? Stop, stop starting. I'm not starting fights with these people. I just won't let anyone come in and talk down to me or talk down to people I like. That's just not, that just does not fly with me. 
I'll punch you in your Adam's apple. That's <laughs> Sal. Okay. Speaking of uh, uh, Adam's apples, Tyler, Adam, how's yours? Apples. Uh, I was really hoping he was going to make that transition. I'm like, this is going to be magical. Yeah. Speaking I was, of Adam's I was trying apples. to make a transition, and then I was interrupted, and now it's not going to be graceful. Speaking of even... interrupting. <laughs> no, go ahead. No, you just, just, just no we're waiting. Mm-hmm. No, Stefan, don't say anything. Let's see how long it takes. The hobby has a real problem with people just copy-pasting info and repeating common knowledge rather than getting to the bottom of stuff, Johnny. I've you know, been this whole week I've been getting learning. annoyed at people posting lists of 91 unlicensed games. It's like, God damn it, there's so many more unlicensed games than 91 for the NES. No, there's only 91. Doesn't even make sense. Why are there two impossible mission twos? Why are there two six and ones, but there's not two chillers, Johnny? It doesn't make sense. Why is there's one Aladdin game that counts, even though it wasn't really released? Cheetah Man Two wasn't released. Where what happened in this list? Why are we using this list? Is this because turning said, into an all lists are bad conversation? Ah! All lists have always been bad. If you don't know, go check out the episode. All your lists are bad. They're still bad too, and and getting worse every single day. Um, hey, you know what? Um, I have a young child, and one of the things that I'm learning is that. Parroting, you know, like as in like P-A-R-R-O-T, parroting is, I I probably spelled that wrong because I'm a horrible speller, but that is learning. When when they start to parrot, that's like an early form of, uh, you can see that they're learning. So maybe these people are just starting to learn and that's, uh, these are their first steps. Maybe you should be helping them. No, so I'm I'm bringing this up because I was in a conversation on video game stage where a guy was looking for a source of good lists. And my aunt, like my answer was just like, there is none anymore. He, he was asking for an NES list. The Fleo on video game stage, he has basically the Nintendo age lists written down as a rarity guide. I'm like, here's this. And he's like, where can I go for other lists? Should I go to price charting? And I'm like, no, you know, it's, they've got like this homebrew and these weird, like aftermarket games, all these lists are f-ed up. And like, here's why Wikipedia doesn't work. And he's like, oh, should I go to the price charting? And I'm like, no, it's, it's, it's got this Sega Saturn bundle here, but then it also includes the games that are in the bundle over here. And like, every time he suggested something, I'm just like, here's why everything's f-ed up and you'll never find a list that's good. And then he just stopped talking to me because I was being insufferable about lists. Tyler, I'm so glad you're insufferable about lists. And I am hoping that some of my insufferableness about lists has, has, like worn off on you. I, I I know you already had that in you, but I, I hope I've only made it worse. Uh, I mean, maybe. Yes. I actually like today I start like this guy's just asking for like a simple recommendation. Like where's a, a list I could copy. That's not f-ed up. And like, I'm, I'm looking through everything. Like I'm looking through like the Sega retro list of Saturn games, Wikipedia list of Saturn games. And I realized that like they're super inconsistent, especially about Netlink games. And it's making me reconsider how I track the Netlink games, Johnny. Uh, because my list currently has Sega Rally Championship Netlink Edition and Virtual On Netlink Edition, but I believe those were only released as part of the Netlink Game Pack. So, yeah. Yeah, the, the bundle. Do I is do those just get combined into one? Do I? Uh, do, I mean, is it just the Netlink Game Pack, or do there. I count the I game mean, separately? There, it is one retail item and two games. I've also got uh, Mysteria, Realms of Lore, and Blazing Heroes as separate entries, 
which they are uh, separate entries. I'm combining into one because uh, no. I did not realize that I had that incorrect in my list. No, no, it's not one. It's two different, <laughs> two different, different names. Uh, it's the same game. It's the same game, except they don't have the same name. That that's not what determines if a game is different. Oh no, it's two different retail items. They don't have the same UPC. We're doing it on UPC now. That's like saying we're oh my talking God, about what, what is King's what? Quest the same as King's Quest One, or different from King's Quest One, which is different from Roberta Williams King's Quest One, which is different from King's Quest One Quest for the yeah. Crown. They're all the yes. same game. Different games. Oh my God. Different titles. The difference is that those games have different title screens. Blazing Do you games. know what's been helping me recently? Johnny. Selling all of your games and not being involved in these conversations? Get out of here. No one's talking that, to you. <laughs> yeah, that too. <laughs> but I was going to say, when people ask me, if I, this actually happens for 3DO all the time because I'm, uh, I'm apparently I am a, a 3DO source of truth. And people go, hey, do you have You're, a good wait, list for 3DO? Are you a 3DO truther? That's right. All right. People say, hey, Stefan, I need a really good list for 3DO. Do you have a really good list for 3DO? And I say... No. What? And then that's very helpful for me. I just say no. So hold on, let me <laughs> let, let me get this straight. So your your response to people seeking you out, someone who is a credible source and looking for help, instead of pointing them in the right direction and helping them, you're like, I don't help people. You know, the next I'm, step is to ask for money first. I'm, 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 I'm happy that I'm happy that you understand me, Johnny. Yeah. <laughs> Stefan, I'm literally going to drive over to your house and slap you. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, I can be back before this podcast ends. I can do it live. <laughs> just get in the car right now and I will be there in 14 minutes. Oh. Depending on traffic lights, it depends. I, I, I very much enjoyed this exchange. Thank you. Um, yeah, I'm sorry for uh, the new member who found out all their lists are bad. Um, Tyler, I, I think you can keep a list. Like, what what is the point of, of putting them two, those two items on the same line? Why not just list both, both of them and then make a note next to them that says, these are the same game and the title was changed? That's... That's better information than what I, you're trying to accomplish. No, I already I have a field in my database for different names that a game goes by. Because they're they're yeah, but this is if not, you they just have different count, title screens. They have different title screens. What does that matter? It's the same game. It, it's not the same game. It does you, not it, have you're the gonna same track code. every difference. There are games that are a lot more different than just a title screen. Are there? Go on. What Devil May Cry Special Edition? Okay. I don't know. They're greatest uh, Jet Moto Two greatest hits. Uh, we'll always come back to that because it's an easy example to remember. Yeah, greatest hits games. one is runs at a higher screen uh, frame rate. No one's list is going to be like here are the the twelve hundred PlayStation games uh, plus one Jet Moto Two, the one greatest hits game that counts. That's not true. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm uh, one extreme has to count too. Different name. Game one, you know, Game Rave does okay, and also my list calls them both out. F- your list. <laughs> so what, you you what, said what, what do you, you do said, about Caltron no, and Myriad? Caltron no and Myriad no, no, no. are literally the same game with the same title screen. You said no one, and I'm right here. You you went into the whole world and said no one, and then found someone on your own podcast. 
I'm not saying don't collect them, but they're the same fucking game. So does I that feel ho- like hold on? This I, is the big yeah, one, Steph. Uh huh. Stadium events, and uh, is that does that mean you don't need to own a stadium events, Tyler? Because it's no, the same it means game. You don't need to own a world class track meet. Well, okay, no. hold on. There's a difference between oh, no, whether it's part, whether oh, it go. counts, and whether you should own it. Because I don't think world class track meet needs to be in the NES set, but I do think. When people are talking about the set, they're talking about the set that includes both stadium events and world-class track meet, because they're not talking about one of every NES game. They're talking about one of every cartridge that I am thinking about that we as a group have decided are the set of cartridges that we are talking about. Okay, so in the same spirit, then, when that guy was asking, and you were like, started to think about Sega Saturn, you're like, oh, I gotta, I gotta correct this on Burning Heroes. That one, though, is different enough for you? Or not different enough no. for you that you're like, let's make this one thing? Because you don't think those people also mean the same thing? What do you, no, I'm combining them into one. Mine was two, and I'm I'm fixing it and making it one. So if I told you I wanted to buy the whole retail set, I'm like, oh, I'm going for a set of Saturn games. You'd be like, yeah, don't buy a, don't bother buying one of those. Just buy, just there's two, but you only need one. You as a collector, now? I would want both because having a, a different name makes saying, it the most the, interesting variant the in the set. What is the list? Does the list include it or not? If you're the list go- does not the include set. The list does not include Blazing but Heroes. But the list includes world-class track meet and stadium events for Ness? Are no, you insane? No, the list does not include world-class track meet. But when you you're saying... The list you does so not stupid. include world-class track meet. But if you're going to run around and say, I have the set, you need to have both stadium events and world-class track Stephen. meet. Because that's the shorthand that we have all agreed on of what, quote-unquote, the set is. Okay. Stop talking to me forever. Stefan... <laughs> This Please. is now a the Johnny and Stefan podcast. You know what? You know what? SegaRetro.org, the wiki, uh, if you go to their list of Saturn games, does not list Blazing Heroes because uh, I don't care about <laughs> Oh, so are we citing sites that can get things Realms wrong of too? Lore, they're they also they don't have a Daytona Netlink edition for some reason either. It's all it's in the CC oh, okay. article. Okay, so, so. your your source your source that you just cited for credibility, <laughs> you're also like, but they're wrong on this one. So what is wrong with you? Everyone is All wrong right. except for me, Johnny. No. Also, I have an entire person. like ten-page YouTube video scripted out yes, for whenever I get my stadium events, so I can speak from a position of authority on why stadium events doesn't matter. Or re- the real position is that world-class track meet doesn't matter. No, who cares? What? Like I, I don't understand you. Like, yeah, no, this is the one. The stadium events is world-class track meet doesn't count. But you, you take no position on. On Saturn. You're an insane person. Stefan, help me. Help me and talk to me right. about anything else. I, I, I want to address the audience real quick. Okay, please if do. You, if you have made it to 27 minutes of this garbage and you're listening to me right now, I want you to at me. Because I don't believe that anyone has either listened to 27 minutes of this garbage or not skipped over it. One of those two <laughs> things have happened. They've either... Stop listening to this podcast. Or they have skipped over to where we've actually started talking about a topic. One of those two things is true. I don't know. We have some hardcores. <laughs> we have some hardcores who are definitely, they're here for these moments. Uh, that's fair. That's fair. Daddy Mulk, we put out like a two hour CQ after dark and like within three hours, he's like, yeah, listen to it. Here are my, my comments on what I just heard. And here's yeah, why I you're wrong. <laughs> 
Also, here are the notes. So, uh, people who are a member of our Patreon have added you in the Patreon, and you don't respond, so it doesn't really matter. I'm calling you out. Oh, they should add me on uh, Instagram. They're not ad- adding you on an Instagram. Go to your. They didn't your pay for exclusive access to you in your Twitter feed. Oh, that's a good idea, though. God damn it! <laughs> Just start an OnlyFans stuff, and I'll subscribe. All right. I'll we're talking about too. the history of Mario games, guys. Is, oh, is that what we're doing? <laughs> you you should probably do an editor's note at the beginning of this episode and be like, by the way, guys, we're talking about the collectible history of Mario. Are the cle- skip, Mario collectible? Skip 28 his- minutes if you'd like to go directly to the topic. Yes. If, it's our, you know, that's a pretty good idea. We should start our episodes like a choose your own adventure. Like after we do them, you should just come in and be like, if you wish to hear the host argue about nonsense, <laughs> continue. If not, skip to page forty-one. <laughs> if you think, if you think Johnny drove over and punched Stefan in the face, <laughs> yeah. not punched, slap, slapping. Uh, oh, I'm not trying right, to go to jail. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, I, we should do that. This is uh... and. Uh, you know, for enough money on the Patreon, if you guys want to throw down, I'll throw down with Stefan, and I'll drive over there and slap him in his stupid face. You know what? If if, if we worked out a, a decent enough price point, I would let that happen. I would, yeah, I, I would, would want to donate it to charity, though. I wouldn't want to take. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. If uh, if we ever if 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 you find Fat Cat Stefan to be too much sometimes, and you're just like. God, I'd like to slap that guy and in his I know smug it's true. face. I know there's plenty of you out there. Yeah, this is your chance. We can work something out. Maybe come around Christmas time where I make your dreams yeah. come happen. We'll put it on YouTube and uh, we'll donate I all swear that money to, God. to charity. I swear to God that I will that that we that we should make this happen. That yeah. for for charity, Johnny yeah. will slap me in the face. I will, and I will not pull. I will not pull that slap either. Nope, it, it'll nope, leave a red sure. mark. It'll be like slaps giving. It will. Yeah, we we could just do it. If you don't know Slapsgiving, it's a How I Met Your Mother thing. Uh, Tyler's wife enjoys it. Tyler doesn't understand the joke. Uh, no. I would, literally, before you said that, I was looking for my opportunity to n- express that I understood the joke to impress my wife who might listen to me edit. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but well, I'm glad you that. got... You've, you've never... Never mind. Never mind. How do you have a wife and you haven't watched any of her shows with her? You just sit around and make her watch that in college, and we weren't going to the same college. We watched different shows with each other. I don't know, man. Were you like obsessively stalking her in college? Isn't that something we learned at the wedding? I don't know what you learned at the wedding. I was probably off doing something else. Yeah, he was a little busy, to be fair, getting married, and uh, we were a little busy avoiding the plague. I was a little busy dancing with his mom. You know what I'm saying? Dancing with Tyler's mom. Emphasis on little. That's just the report I got back from Tyler's mom. Oh. Hey guys. I mean, it does confirm <laughs> though that you guys We've got friends. a new a new series in this podcast that we're starting. Um, okay. Dancing what with is Tyler's it? mom. A a sister show to So You Wanna Collect for Consoles. It's collecting the history of where what we're going to what talk is it? about. Tell me more. Uh, well, this started, be- I, what was going on? Like, my brain was broken, and I just, like, went down one of these Tyler rabbit holes of looking into, like, the deepest history of optical media, and I'm like, what's the first DVD game? And the answer is a little unclear, 
and I was I was digging pretty deep. I, got, I narrowed it down to like six games. Anyway, uh, no one wanted no one wants an episode on the history of optical media. You keep saying that, and then again, reference back to Daddy Mulk is going to be like, I would love that episode. He would love any episode. Dude. I know. He's like, hey, could you read <laughs> me all of the UPCs in the Nest Library? So, I would love that. And then if you could check some date codes. No one is going to have anything to add of any humor or interest to that. Like, literally, there's going to be a week where, like, we have a dead week, or, like, where we haven't put out an episode, and I will just record that by myself and put that out, and someone will, somewhere in their car will listen, like, oh, the RDI Halcyon in uh, 1985. That is sort of an honorable mention yeah. for the first system that used laser discs. And then, and then at some point, someone will comment on Instagram that that is their absolutely favorite episode of all time. Uh, it, every episode has one. Anyway. Yeah. There is someone who loves the wrestling episode. No, there's there is. at least theoretically. We're so, talking in theory. What I wanted to do in this series, or what we want to do in this series, is uh, look at some topic from all the different angles of like what historical firsts or important appearances and things like that. Mario is a perfect example because what is the first Mario game can be answered in like six different ways. And obviously, like, the first Mario game is Donkey Kong, but that's not the game people want. And even when it is the game people want, it's not, I want a Donkey Kong cabinet in my house. People are like, I'm going to buy Donkey Kong on Atari 2600. So there's all these different reasons that people buy different historical appearances in Mario. And I wanted to go over the important ones, I think. And we're we're talking important ones that are early, we're only going up to about the N64 on this, so there are a lot more Marios uh, that we could talk about later, and perhaps in another episode, but uh, these ones will will start to be limited, much like some of uh, our regular episodes are limited in scope, as we're not going to go all the way up to current time, so our cutoff here was around N64, just so you guys know. Because if you care about modern games, you're wrong. That's true, but also, like, every subheading in our outline is, like, first, 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 and once you get to, like, the Wii, like, there's no more Mario first. Like, what are you going to say? The first game where Mario has low gravity. Like, first yeah, it, Mario motion of... controls. So, uh, like, we could do a whole episode on that, but there's also the aspect of if you think hard enough about some stupid-ass thing, there will be, like, some dumbass first. Like, Super Mario Galaxy 2 has some stupid ass first appearance, has some stupid ass first mechanic. Is like first appearance of Spring Mario? I don't know. You could find something to put on the back of that water case though. Oh my god, speaking <laughs> of water cases, if you look at the back of a case of Pitfall, it says the game that helped that created the side scrolling platform genre. Blip! That's not a side scroller, it's a flip screen platformer. Johnny, let's start the episode. That sounds All like right, let's get into it. Da -da 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 -da. <laughs> hey, that's uh so you can't do that on television. The uh, you guys, know what that is. You don't know what that is, do you? What? Uh, you can't do that on television. Is that is that a Nickelodeon show? Or you can't say well, that on television? You, it's sort a Nickelodeon of. show ish. I, I mean, came from Canada. the The rights are pretty muddled, but uh, yeah, it did end up on Nickelodeon. Yes. All right. I've probably seen like one episode as a kid. But first television appearance of Alanis Morissette. Woo! Yeah, woo! Uh, also, the first appearance of slime on television. Whoa. That's where Nickelodeon slime thing came from. That that always cracked me up. That that Nickelodeon has made such a like a, it's a cornerstone of their brand, and it's not theirs. Yep. <laughs> and uh, you know, one of the other big things is 
uh, if you like Monty Python, the intro and the style of the intro and the the music and everything was pretty much inspired by Monty Python. Yeah. Hey. And the like paper cut art style and everything. Yep. So there, there's some degrees of separation. Anyways, you can't do that on television episode right now. Oh, let's go. Uh, so you know what? So here you we can't are at minute right? forty-five, <laughs> about to start talking about Donkey Kong. But instead, we're talking about Barf, the chef uh, who who made burgers for the kids in the cafeteria of their school. Really gross stuff. His name was Barf, largely because his food made them barf. I think. Yeah, and then didn't he also like use their? Am I making this up? That he, he did. Would, no, like, he did reuse use their their. Yeah. The, yeah, he would definitely scoop some of that up. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, you know that that show was also like he was also like the alcoholic abusive dad I think yeah same guy yep that dude had a look about him that was creepy <laughs> yeah. Tyler you saw all those episodes right I I have no idea what you're talking about all I remember about that show <laughs> is the name and I'm like that's a weird name for a show because they are doing it on television but you can't do that on television I I don't understand. <laughs> Someone what, is going to hear did this. Did I find it? Is this is this porn on Nickelodeon? Yeah, we we have cracked a new market with this conversation, yeah. Johnny. There Someone are people is going who are going to find like, this. Finally, yeah, this is what I've been waiting for. Please talk about Moose and how hot she was. Go if you don't know who <laughs> Moose is, look it up. Stop. Oh, and the the like the locker like knock knock joke segments. Oh, they're so, so good. good. That show was so, so ahead of its time. So so ahead of its time. Absolutely. Tyler, it was also ahead of your time because uh, you weren't born. Because <laughs> you weren't born yet. <laughs> All right. Uh, maybe we should talk about some other stuff that happened before you were born. Let's talk about Mario and First Prince and oh. collectibles and history. Yes. Shall we? Uh, specifically things you can own, although I don't think I came across anything from the 80s of Mario that you can't actually own. Although arcade cabinets are somewhat hard to own. Uh, first, sure there's like some, some displays and stuff, too, that you probably can't find. What, you better know what the first Mario display is. You better figure that out by the end of the episode, Stefan. Mm, That's your wheelhouse. I have, couple, I, I have a couple guesses. I, I don't know that I'd be able to actually narrow it down. But Donkey Kong, 1981. Jesus Christ, we're talking about Mario stuff now. So some sources say they put two Hold dates. Hold on. This guy wants oh to my, argue for 30 I'm, minutes about I'm lists. Out. But now he's upset that we're taking two. <laughs> I did this on purpose. <laughs> I could just sense his frustration, and I couldn't stop myself. He was just—he was on the edge, like he yeah, can't. I know. He it's was like, like you "Okay, know, like, finally, we're doing it." Yeah, it's like one of those videos where like the cat's like sitting on the very edge of the counter, and like there's the, the glass or whatever, and they're just like, like just "Don't you gotta, do it? You got it? You, you got to just." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I am that cat. <laughs> uh, uh, do you think he's coming back? I, I think so. I think he really yeah. wants to talk about this, but he might need a minute. How you been? <laughs> <laughs> I've been all right. Uh, the new job is is wonderful. Um, it is. It's it's interesting because I am. It's a lot busier. I'm a lot. I'm doing a lot more. But at the same time, like before my last job, I was doing too much, and I was by myself and completely unsupported, and I have no no nothing B- above and below me. Right, I was completely unsupported above me and completely unsupported below me. Um, <clears throat> now <clears throat> I have so much more to do. Like the scope of my job is much much broader 
But I have a ton of support both above and below me. I have, a, I have a team below me that is wonderful. I have a team above me that is wonderful. And so it's, it's, I feel so, I'm, I'm busier. I'm, I'm tired. I'll tell you that. Um, but, uh, but I am so much more like creatively fulfilled, um, professionally fulfilled. Um, I, I don't feel overworked because I'm so well supported and that's, I, it, it's one of those things where I'm sure you can relate. It's one of those things where like, I didn't really realize I was missing that until I got it. Yeah. Right? Well, I mean, teams, you accomplish more in teams, right? And teams doesn't need to be every day, rah, rah, siskumba, but you know, uh, the, the structure of the team and having places to go when you have problems and, you know, just working out on yourself by yourself on an Island is hard. It's isolating and, uh, it's diminishing and it sucks. Um, so I, I'm glad you're feeling more support and then that's, uh, you know, fueling you creatively as well. Yeah. I don't mind being busy when it's, fulfilling right like yeah. there was just there was just a, this huge like layer of of oppressive stress that was just coming from feeling like i wasn't being supported well and and, uh, and it's it's different too like when you know you're busy and you're like working with other people towards a common goal what yeah and, when people and, are in the trenches with you instead right, of you right. just in the wilderness digging a fucking trench Right, exactly. You're just like Sisyphus, just pushing this boulder up this hill forever by yourself. It's it's a much different feeling than when you know you've got a bunch of people with you, uh, experiencing and doing the same thing. Uh, you know, and they have your back and you have theirs. It, uh, you know, it is a strengthening experience. So, maybe Tyler won't come back. Who knows? I think, I think we broke him proper. Tyler, did you come back? Oh yeah, I'm here. Okay. You guys can blow me. <laughs> all right i'm gonna give that i'm gonna give that to him johnny that's good i'll give the clap there fat, fat, found a joke all right found the joke ring the bell ding ding <laughs> tyler found the joke congrats well, yeah, tyler well, good job welcome back uh, thank you we were just talking about teamwork and supporting people oh, I, I heard uh, which it. which i know you're like these guys they don't know about support um <laughs> i want you to know you're seen you're heard. I support you. I apologize. I'm ready to talk about Mario games now. All right. Well, Can I think that's all the time for the show we have. Uh, we that's should not probably push that we have the next episode. No, you know we have at least three hours in us. Yeah, I know. Um, hey, guys. The first appearance of Mario, the most beloved Nintendo character. Is he the most beloved? No. I'm thinking. <sighs> like, if, mm. if Pikachu's Nintendo character, I don't know. Um, it is kind of weird that they created this fat Italian, uh, and trust me, I can relate, that people love. <laughs> it's like, people love this little dough ball. Yeah. I think there's people, I think there's characters that people genuinely, like, have a, like, I, I don't think, I don't think there's a, 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 as large of an emotional attachment to, and of course I'm, I'm, I'm generalizing, but uh, to Mario as like, for instance, Link, like, I think that's a, like, I feel like that fan base probably has a stronger emotional co connection to that character in that world than people who, like, I feel like people who love Super Mario Brothers, like, they, they love the games and they love the gameplay, but I don't know how much of that is really connected to the character himself. I mean, Link doesn't talk or anything. He's just kind of a dude. Excuse me. <laughs> I mean, princess. yeah. Um, and I mean, Modern Link is by far the hottest character Nintendo has ever created um, for all genders and all sexualities because he just. Uh, ba beg to differ. That's Whoa. Mario. 
People love what Johnny stop that. trying to make fat Italians happen. It's not going to happen. Think, no, it is it, not happening. He's one of the most recognized characters in the whole world. Okay. Up there with Mickey Mouse. Okay. Dennis, and actually come on. Above. Come down okay. to earth. Yes. I know. Come on. No. Dennis. <laughs> hey, the dude is getting his own land already has his own land at universal. You don't see link having his own land, right? You're not like, let's travel to the lost no, okay. woods and find okay. the master sword. No, no. They're like, let's, let's see what we can do in the Mario world. At right, Universal. Do you think, question, Johnny, do you think that is because the Mario character is much more intrinsically tied to the Nintendo brand? Like, I feel like there's a lot of bleed over there, right? Like, people who just f***ing love Nintendo, well, that 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 passion bleeds over to the character because he's so yeah. representative well, Mar- Mario, of the brand. Mario is the icon, right? He, he's, right. he is the branding, uh, as we will talk about in this episode. But also, Tyler, because people love fat, doughy Italians. I'm telling you. <laughs> this uh, Look, this is, I have to die on this hill as a fat, doughy Italian, or, <laughs> what, or what do I have? I, I would feel like I was betraying my kind. I just know that uh, I'm, so, Stefan, I'm with you. Like, I think Zelda in general connects with me so much more than Mario. Like, I mean, Mario is right there, too. But um, I, I agree with you, by the way. You know I, I love Zelda more than Mario. Right? I am... A Zelda man, and whenever I look at like the sales, because people are always like Mario, oh, Mario, I thought Mario. You were a Metroid person. I, obviously, Metroid, close number three. Um, you look at all the sales, like Mario blows Zelda sales away. Uh, Mario Kart Eight Deluxe on Switch, a f-ing remake. It sold double what Breath of the Wild did. Breath of the Wild, like you would think, Breath of the Wild is the Switch game everyone talks about. It's what five years old at this point, and it's still probably like the one people talk about. Like, oh man, Switch Breath of the Wild. Yeah, that's that's the best game on the Switch. But it requires a commitment that Mario Kart does not. It does, it, but like selling half of a Wii U remake, it shows how much people love Mario, and specifically Mario Kart, because that's like always the best selling Mario game, even more than the platformers. I, I, I just, also feel like especially like accessibility. For the, for, well, and for the and for the children market too. The yeah. the I feel like Mario is like the go to because of that brand awareness. It's it's the go to for the parents, the grandparents. So like, the, the, yes, children are making their own decisions of, uh, as far as purchasing power, uh, way more than uh, like when I was working for Disney, for instance, when uh, the the kids were not at all making their own purchasing decisions. So, but um, but. But that's still happening, right? So I, I, there's, I, I feel like there's, there's a, a certain segment of the people who are buying Mario games are doing it because it's easily giftable, right? And they, that's the, the, oh yeah, my, my kid, my grandkid loves Nintendo, and the, and the character that I associate most closely, most closely with that brand is, is Mario. Yeah, I mean, also as far as like with kids and everything, like you would let your kid run up and hug a Mario. But Link, you'd be like, mm, I don't know, sketchy Link. Please don't touch my child. Got a sword. You know? <laughs> yeah, Get out like, of here, Fox McCloud. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, that, just, that fox is pretty creepy. That is a little bit creepy. Uh, yeah. Fox, We're talking about uh, something that might come up later in the show on what do you buy. Uh, well, well, yeah, Fox will definitely, you know, he's got Roman hands and uh, Russian fingers. So. <laughs> so so to bring us back, we we all agree Mario is the icon of Nintendo yeah, as much as we oh, love yeah. Zelda. Yeah. The arcade game been. came out. So, all right, came out. All the sources say it came out on these like two dates in January. It lists like Jan- uh, two dates in July 1981. There's one that says like July 3rd is Japan and like something in late July for America. And when you look at where those dates came from, 
It's the United States Copyright Office copyright registration date. And both of them are the exact dates for like two different Donkey Kong registrations. It, that's a really weird date to say that an arcade game was released to the public. I'm guessing there's no way to get a better date. Um, a lot of the arcade release date info I see, it comes from like these arcade like monthly and weekly flyers that actually do have like really good info. They're like, oh, last week we saw, you know, Bosconian ship to arcades or whatever. Um, uh, isn't there, isn't there a really good story? I'm sorry. Isn't there a really good story by Howard Phillips where he talks about the day they actually started, like were in warehouse and he was unloading them and like his tie to, um, Donkey Kong. Was that on Nintendo age where he wrote that? Did I see a YouTube video? Where did I get this from? Does he have like the actual date? Like he, well, I don't know if he says the actual date, but he talks about the time frame which he was working and which, uh, because he talks about how Donkey Kong changed Nintendo forever uh, in America and their arcade presence and, you know, him unloading them at the warehouse. Yeah, he does talk about his, because Howard Phillips did start as a warehouse employee at Nintendo, and, and he does talk about a lot, most of the interviews that he gives talks at some point about his time in that warehouse. So um, that's pretty accessible information. I mean, it, it totally just could just be not that. sourced on Wikipedia. Like, I found multiple errors in Wikipedia, and the answers to the errors were in the the sources on the same Wikipedia page. So, like, this release date information and stuff like this is, is out there, or better information is out there. It's just people are incorrectly citing, or just, like, using random dates they find on the internet, and just like, oh, I'll put that on Wikipedia. It came out July 3rd, 1981. Yeah. The date of the first U.S. Copyright Office copyright registration. That makes sense. Well, I think, uh, especially with a lot of old media that was, like, shipped, it's like, what are they talking about release, release date? Like, day it could be sold, day it arrived at dock, day it arrived yeah. in warehouse, like, first arcade to ever get, like, all of that is pretty loose and was a lot looser then than it is now. So, like, use it as a general time frame, not as an exact date. You Can I throw out a, uh, a YouTube reference that will be helpful for this conversation right. for our listeners? Um, this is a, a panel. If you just search, uh, go to YouTube and search P- PRGE19 Howard Phillips, um, the first link will be a panel that he did with Frank Cifaldi uh, at Portland Retro Gaming Expo 2019. And I, I know for a fact he goes over all, all that history of him working in the warehouse. So um, if people are interested in wanting to hear Howard Phillips talk about his time in the warehouse, um, that is a great... Uh, a great YouTube video. That's a panel with uh, him and uh, the uh, Video Game History Foundation. All right, cool. Stop plugging the Video Game History Foundation. <laughs> I will always plug them. When are they plugging us? Never? Then get them out of here. No, I'm just kidding. That's, <laughs> please, please continue to plug the Video Game History Foundation. <laughs> uh, so I Mario... want to just like be a weirdo and have a hot take there. All right. Sorry, <laughs> Tyler, go ahead. Uh, so during development, Mario's name, uh, it started as Osan, which is, uh, it means middle-aged man in Japanese. And the so just fun fact, Golf stars Mario in America, but canonically the game Golf on the Famicom stars Osan, who is a different character, even though they're the exact same game, which is a weird thing. So after Osan, they called him Mr. Video and then Jumpman, and finally Mario. And his name is kind of both Mario and Jumpman in Donkey Kong. So uh, the arcade manual calls him Jumpman. And there's uh, instruction cards on the bezel of the arcade that also call him Jumpman. 
but then the arcade flyer calls him Mario, and then obviously every single port that this game has ever had calls him Mario. So he's saying he's one or the other is is not really correct for Donkey Kong in arcades in particular. I think for all the home ports, calling him Mario would be correct. And then there's crazy fan theories about Jumpman being a separate character. I, go down just, weird wikis if you want to go into that. <laughs> I I just don't understand anyone's like stance on this. It's clearly it's Mario. It, it the genesis of it, like it, maybe it didn't start out as exactly Mario, but it became Mario. So it it's all of the same thing. You know, it is the same. It's not like oh a new character became Mario. It's not like they like created the separate character. And we're like, oh, now this is Mario. No, they took an existing character and they just kind of rebranded the name as they went on. It's not, it wasn't something new that replaced it. So yeah. it, the Genesis was all the same. So calling it Mario is probably fine because that's the name now. Something like, calling- like genuinely, something genuinely irks my brain when you use the word Genesis in the context of Mario. Yeah. Because his first appearance, that. his first, the Genesis of Mario is not That's the right. Genesis. Was on the, yes, his fr- his first appearance was on the Genesis. Got oh it. Oh my God. Got it. <laughs> well, in Brazil, it was on the SMS, so just <laughs> throwing that out there. Does it does it have a barcode? It does. Super Mario on the Sega Master yep. <laughs> Side, Sideways Mario, or Sideways Manual, um, and uh, yeah, it's got the UK branding on the back. No fewer, no fewer than like three people are Googling that right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If uh, you've made it to this episode and you're curious if Mario is on the Genesis, please don't Google it because you will find copies of Mario on the Genesis, but they're just bad ports. Just stop That's it. True. Just don't do that. All right. Sorry, Tyler. I am an interrupting dinosaur and uh, I keep interrupting you. So please go on. Actually, I have a Super Mario Brothers 2 bootleg that I got off AliExpress for Genesis before I was like really poo-pooing bootlegs. It was like a dollar eighty or something. I'm like, oh, I'll take Super Mario Brothers 2 on Genesis. Anyway, um, I think everyone listening to this podcast, you obviously know what Donkey Kong is. I'm sure you know Mario's name uh, came from the Nintendo warehouse landlord because they were late on their rent. Uh, and so Mario came from his name, Mario Sigali. Uh, I don't need to go over it. Everyone knows that. Okay, what can you collect with Mario, guys? I'm just, I don't... The, the I, arcade cabinet. The arcade cabinet. So, I mean, technically the first one would have been the Japanese arcade cabinet. I don't know a lot about it. Um, I'm just assuming that no one is importing Japanese Donkey Kong arcade cabinets. So wait, the one that... Is, was, would that be, sorry, I'm genuinely asking. I'm not trolling at all. Was that actually true? Like, is there a Japanese version that's earlier than the radar scope conversions? Uh, I don't know anything about the cabinet. Uh, I assume it's the same cabinet, but the our, the U.S. Donkey Kongs were built in Redmond. There would be some difference. I don't know if it's possible to date them. Um, yeah, I don't know. Huh. 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 The one that collectors are interested in, though, is the first 2000 Donkey Kongs. Because the whole point of Donkey Kong for Shigeru Miyamoto was, we got this game Radar Scope. It sucks balls. I don't know if it sucks. I've never played Radar Scope. Um, Radar Scope's actually a pretty rare game because of Donkey Kong, because it sold poorly and they converted them. So the first 2000 Donkey Kongs were converted from Radar Scopes. So Radar Scope had a red cabinet, whereas the standard Donkey Kong is a blue cabinet. So the first thing you're looking for for an original uh, one of these uh, Donkey Kongs is a red cabinet, although a lot of people paint them red because the red looks cooler. Um, And so... 
th- these are just the board on this is super hard to find. They've got a unique board too. So there's three different Donkey Kong PCB variants. If you look at the code on the PCB, you'll see TKG2, TKG3, or TKG4. So the first two sets are four board uh, sets, and the, the last set is a two board set. No one cares about that. What you need to know is TKG2 was a radar scope board that has a sticker on it that says TKG2, which means it was converted to Donkey Kong, and that is the correct board to pair with a red cabinet. And another thing you could do to make sure your red cabinet is legit is you look at the serial number on the back of the cabinet, because every single one of these was serialized, and it will say TKG2 on the little serial plate. And these are individually serialized, starting with 100,001. So if you find Donkey Kong TKG2 number 1001, it is the literal singular first appearance of Mario in America. There's one cabinet, it's probably in the, in the dumpster somewhere from 40 years ago, but you could literally find the earliest existing print of Mario if you've tracked down these arcade cabinets. So, so go you do it. Do that. Yeah, you should do it. These are, I've, and then let us know what a baller you are. Yeah, like having one of these is is super baller. Um, I'm sure. Like, I don't know. I I don't know if people would be willing to pay like a lot for a freaking Donkey Kong machine like this because they are expensive in the arcade world, but the arcade world has like reality and limits on it that sealed game collecting right now does not. So I don't like would someone pay 50 grand for a radar scope converted Donkey Kong? I don't know. People seem to like small things that they can stick on a shelf and easily ship when they want to get rid of. Well, and that can be graded. Oh, yes. You you can't grade this. It's unfortunate. Maybe you could pop the ROM chips off the board and and grade the ROM chips. VGA would do it. VGA will grade. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, I bet you. I bet you. I bet you if you called, if you you hit up VGA and you were like, I will Uh, bring this to you if you will put it in a (laughs) f***ing plexiglass vault. I bet you they would do it. You probably, VGA makes custom cases. You could grade the entire PCV with VGA. No, you just you don't do that. Don't grade. grade the, do not grade, grade the a Donkey Kong radar grade scope. Grade the cabinet, PCB. Tyler. Yeah, that, you know, though. if if you were a rich person, you should you should do that and then show me. And um, what if? Because <laughs> I just want my last faith in humanity to die. <laughs> so you could, if you have the money, you can be the person who kills it. I'm just saying, there's an opportunity here. All right, so a Donkey Kong, if you just want a PCB, which is reasonable to own, they're like two to $400. Um, I've, I don't think I've ever seen a TKG2 actually for sale. I've only seen people post want to buy posts and then uh, have them fulfilled. A full Donkey Kong cabinet, it's like 1000 to $1,500 if you're on like a Facebook or a forum for collecting arcade games. Uh, don't buy them on eBay because a lot of them are just built from scratch and they're literally just either MAME cabinets or they've got LCDs. Or they're super overpriced. eBay is like literally the worst place to buy arcade games. Um, I say that on a show where I think Stefan bought a pinball machine on eBay live on the show. I sure did. Yep. That's Donkey Kong. I don't, like literally, I think zero people listening to the show are interested in collecting it. But uh, I got to bring it up because it is technically the first Mario thing you could own is a Donkey Kong arcade cabinet. To be fair, let me let me take a, 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 a sidestep here to talk about my eBay buying habits and how, how Tyler responds to them. And I think Johnny will probably back me up on this. Almost nope. 100% of the time, I buy something on eBay and Tyler like balks at the price. And then like, I don't know, within maybe like a month or two, he looks back and goes, God, that was a really good fucking price. 
Uh, I'm You've sure that. that is not the case for like a Jurassic Park pinball machine. <laughs> well, you know, I don't know. Coronavirus, maybe new pinball machines went up in price. That's right. <laughs> Who knows? Not this guy. You know, guys, arcade machines aren't super reasonable to collect. We have people who live in New York. They can't. They don't have space for that. So let me tell you about something you can buy. A little oh, wait, bit wait, easier. Wait, 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 wait. Can, can well, I interrupt real quick? Absolutely. Before we go off, because uh, I have an arcade, a Donkey Kong arcade fun fact. Okay, because go for it. I know who owns the, uh, Tyler's talking about the first production machine. I uh, don't know where that is, obviously, probably in a landfill, like you said. I do, however, know who owns the very last production Donkey Kong arcade machine. And is it that, Disneyland? No, that is Minoru Arakawa, the founding president of N- Nintendo of America. He was gifted it at his retirement party, which oh. I... I uh, shortly put up a video <laughs> of, and then Nintendo uh, and or the Nintendo C and D me into the ground. So, uh, but yeah, I I uh, I have seen footage of him being gifted the last production machine of uh, of Donkey Kong for the arcade. That's super interesting. Also, yeah. a little weird because when was that? Fi- that was probably filmed like Donkey Kong must have been dead in the ground because they made so many Donkey Kongs. That'll be. Like, I don't know, it'll be like, if Shigeru Miyamoto retired right now, and they're like, here it is, the last Super Mario Galaxy 2 that we ever made. They may have made it for him. I'm, I, I I can neither confirm nor deny that they did that. Uh, well, I'm, I'm sure it was a, a big part of his life at Nintendo of America, is f***ing Donkey Kong. I'm sure, I'm sure like, 1980, the early 80s, being at Nintendo of America, Donkey Kong rolling off the line was probably a very exciting time, being on top of the world, when uh, yep. you came from nothing. Yeah. All right, sorry, Johnny, I thought that was an amusing anecdote. Yep, agreed. Uh, I would tell you to Google that video, but you can't. You cannot. Uh, you cannot. Um, like I was saying, first Donkey Kong home port. Game & Watch. Guys, if you need something you can put on a shelf that looks pretty cool, let me tell you about this Game & Watch. So came out around, let's say June 3rd, 1982, but that is pretty sketchy. Well, it came okay, out hold on. Around, I'm what? sorry to interrupt. So Japanese release dates... We had someone's gonna have to tell us why yes. they're super specific, and I think they're accurate. You could buy like books, and they have to the date release dates of vintage okay. Japanese games. Fine, Daddy Mulk, tell me Fine. why it's, that's the case. That's true. Yeah, you're right <laughs> for the Japanese stuff. But still, I'm just gonna say like I don't know what what that means. June third. I don't know if that's the ship date. I don't know if that's the release date in store. Like that wasn't. That's not the creation date or anything like that. So. Keep that in mind. Around June, the summer, the beautiful summer of 1982, these things hit the market in Japan. Uh, the release date in the U.S. is unclear, but it is uh, not 1982 or slightly beyond. Okay, no, so what? No, it is 1982. I don't know what it is be- besides just 1982. Oh, you you don't know what it is beyond 1982? You think it came out here in 1982? Yeah, it You're did sure? because uh, you sure. You're sure. Yes. You're sure, 1982. Oh my God. 1982. When did the Mario Bros. Game Watch come out? Oh, it was March. I can't even. Yeah, it definitely came out in 1982. 1982. If you were if you were cashing in on Donkey Kong, would you have released it in 1983? Johnny, no. You would have released it in 1982. I might. 1983 I is a great year. Anyways, 1982. Anyways, it, it doesn't really matter. Just know it exists. It came out around 1982, 1983. Doesn't matter. It's there. It's a Game & Watch. You know what these things look like? There are... Many, 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 many variants of this. The earliest variants have a serial number that start with 31, and they do not, and this is, let me be clear, this is the easiest way to identify first prints 
Okay, it does not have the word start above the jump button on the box and the system. All right, so that's the easiest way. There are other ways, but this is the easiest way. These things were out for a very long time. They were out into the 90s. Most of them came in these cute little cardboard boxes. They look awesome. You've seen them around, usually beat to crap. So you can find them loose for about 100 to 150 and you can find them CIB from that $100 to $300, but that's very condition dependent. So like you could find a really nice, beautiful LCD one and you will pay $150. You can find a garbagey one in a smash box for $100. It, that's reasonable because the condition of both items, not one or the other, is driving the price. So keep a look. And then like in the late, late 80s, early 90s, 1990, there was versions that came in uh, plastic blisters. So those are the most undesirable because that plastic is horrible. And uh, if you've got that one, you've probably got it sealed because they look almost the same once you open that blister and that blister. It's not like some attractive packaging you would have kept. It's really just a generic, horrible plastic blister. So uh, there you go. Johnny, I think there's a, there's a guy on Instagram who has a ton of those blister-packed Game & Watches sitting in a world Nintendo case. So if he's a listener now, he thinks you're a jerk for calling all his Game & Watches crappy. I said they're the least attractive. I didn't say they were unattractive. They're pretty unattractive, in my professional opinion. <laughs> so now, so you're like, you're like, damn, Johnny just made it so that guy wouldn't be mad at us. Let me double down on that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm not going to lie to our listeners. They're ugly, carded nope. gaming watches. They L Listeners, please know that Tyler does not speak for the whole collector's <laughs> quest. His opinions are his own. You might be very into those blister packs. That would make you a weirdo. Like they, wrong, they, they're probably super rare okay. because, uh, like because you would open. You're them not finding complete like, in box, or you're not finding new in box game and watches on eBay. There's tons of complete in box Donkey Kongs, but to find this, it yeah. would have to be new in box. So they're probably the most desired by game and watch collectors. I doubt that's true. I because all it's true. <laughs> yeah. Like don't don't muddle the message for people. Uh, always earliest is best. That's pretty much. It doesn't matter the rarity of the print run or anything like that. The third print could uh, they might have only made four, but that's not what people care about. They want that first print, first print, first editions. They want that real hot sauce, uh, not any you know weak substitutes. Anyways, go out and buy it if you like. Uh, it's a lot easier than buying a Donkey Kong cabinet. As Tyler said, though, the blister packs, you're probably not going to find it unless it's new. But the nice thing about those cardboard boxes is even though they're a little flimsy, you could open them up and they were not too big. So they weren't like the worst thing to store. So they survived the 80s. Uh, a lot of them did anyway. So they are yeah, still obtainable today. They're packed with uh, styrofoam. So that makes them more resilient than other games that are just garbage. Although they're or, all, you know, they're all just wrecked because they, a lot of them are pretty wrecked. Not like but completely squished. Not but. like plastic tray wrecked, like, yeah. you know, where they put those like thin molded plastic trays that basically uh, turned to powder after eight years. Anyways, that's all I've got to say. I know Tyler wants to get in on some more 1982 action with ColecoVision. So Tyler, please tell me about ColecoVision Donkey Kong. I want to simultaneously talk about the uh, the first home ports with an S of Donkey Kong to home video game platforms uh, because I see different people saying ColecoVision came first and I see different people saying Atari came first. And I know it's not like they've looked into it and have decided it. They've just like either it says it on a lot of case or 
someone somewhere said something was first. So uh, both of these have incorrect release dates, I believe, on Wikipedia and most sources I checked. Uh, they both came out in late July 1982, from what I can tell. So there's a, an arcade newsletter called Arcade both Express. What, both what came out? Both the ColecoVision and Atari 2600 ports of Donkey okay. Kong. I just want to be clear. There's an arcade newsletter called Arcade Express, and you look at the first issue. Uh, the first issue of Arcade Express, uh, it says that ColecoVision, it's a quote from Mike Katz, who was the CEO of ColecoVision. Oh my God, put away the email. Michael Katz was the vice president of marketing at Coleco. He was the president of Sega of America and president of the video game division of Atari. He wasn't the CEO of ColecoVision. I'm sorry, vice president of marketing at Coleco. And it's Coleco, not ColecoVision. I know, I caught it. Don't email me. It's a quote from Mike Katz, who was the CEO of ColecoVision, and it says that the ColecoVision went into distribution in late July 1982. And if you Google, like, ColecoVision release date, Google's going to tell you August 1982. But I'm going to believe the quote in a, in a primary source from the CEO of ColecoVision. Um, so for the ColecoVision release... Uh, it, there's there's two variants, but they're PCB variants. So there's one that has 24K ROM chips and one that has 16K. So there's there's a three-chip version and a two-chip version. You can weigh them. Uh, you can uh, open them up. Literally, loose cartridges are doorstops. Zero dollars, I'm going to say, because it literally came with every ColecoVision. You, there are more copies of Donkey Kong, many more copies of Donkey Kong probably, than ColecoVisions that you could actually find to play them in. Uh, there is an interesting variant, though. Uh, which I believe we brought up on the show before. There's a standalone version, a complete inbox version that you would buy at the store. And I'm, I've never found out exactly why it exists, but every single version, every ColecoVision ever made came with a loose cartridge of Donkey Kong. So why would anyone go to the store to buy one? So I, th I always thought it was for Atom computers because Atom computers are essentially ColecoVisions. You could put a cartridge in, uh, but no, someone told me I was wrong when I said that. So these are like replacements for someone who have lost their copy. I don't know. There's a sealed one on eBay right now. They're asking $25,000. Uh, I couldn't find any recent sales for complete box ones. I imagine they are some hundreds of dollars. It is a high-end ColecoVision collectible to have a complete box Donkey Kong. Uh, and then if you're interested in having an entire boxed ColecoVision to have the boxed cartridge, they're like three or 400 bucks. And, uh, a lot of them were trashed. Atari, which is not after ColecoVision, we are saying this is simultaneous with ColecoVision, you can find newspaper ads for Donkey Kong on Atari 2600 that go back to July 21st, 1982, at least. Those are just the ones that people have found. Um, and there's, there's like six ads of different newspapers for that week. And Wikipedia somehow came up with a release date of July 26th. That seems completely made up. Don't listen to it. Uh, but a same exact thing, like literally last week of July, both these releases. The interesting thing with the Atari 2600 version, besides the fact that it kind of intentionally sucks balls to make ColecoVision look better because it's Coleco who's publishing this game. Uh, it was recalled for compatibility issues with early Atari consoles. So it was released in late July and then it was recalled immediately and then they released it again in mid-August. Uh, there's not if there was a variant that would be super cool, but uh, as far as I know, there's you can't find like a, a recall variant or anything like that. Um, and so that's uh, 
another Mike Katz quote from Arcade Express Volume 1, Number 2, where he said that it will be back in stores the second week of August. Meaning it had already been released and recalled before the second week of August, which would have had to been uh, before this magazine was published. So it definitely came out in July. Um, I, I'm only getting angry because of, of sources that, that say one or the other came out first when it is completely unclear. And they seem to have come out at the exact same time. Uh, other interesting things about the Atari version. Gary Kitchen was contracted to develop it. Um, who you definitely know from Gary Kitchen's Super Battle Tank War in the Gulf. It took him three months to develop it. He said it could have taken a year, and he asked for more memory so he could fit more levels in the game. So the Atari version, I believe, has two levels, and the ColecoVision has three levels. And Coleco said no, because they wanted to sabotage the Atari version to make ColecoVision look better. Um... In terms of variants, there's a lot of variants for the Atari version. Um, the major ones, the earliest variants, uh, have the lie on the box that says, plays like the real arcade game. And then uh, really late print variants have, uh, not really late print, but mid-production, but not anywhere near as common. They have a sort of cartoon Donkey Kong on the box. And then uh, the it's called the re-release. Atari re-released it in 1988 in a red box which is uh, something very common. If you follow Heritage Auctions or the sealed market at all, you'll see these Atari Redbox games because they were all produced super late in the Atari's life and there's tons of new old stock left over and they're all the latest releases of these games. Uh, so there's a Redbox Donkey Kong as well. If you're going to collect one, get the one with the cartoon on it because it's probably the rarest or get just the earliest print you could find. Complete, it's the like, rarest! The rarest! It's literally Donkey Kong. None of these are rare. <laughs> Uh, $20 to $40 game, loose, I'm going to say $0. In actuality, is probably like $7 because people do want Donkey Kong, but just just get it complete. It's an Atari game. What are you doing? Those are the first uh, first console appearances of Donkey Kong, Johnny. Woo! Simultaneous, someone, prove, prove it otherwise. Someone has a better source than Arcade Express. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to know I've said it multiple times on the show. I do not like primates and we're spending a lot of time talking about Donkey Kong. And I'm sorry <laughs> when you, I know you want to get to the sweet, true Mario goodness, goodness, goodness. I don't know what goodness, 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 goodness. Yeah. I don't know what that is. It sounds, uh, unfriendly, uh, when it was meant to be nice, but this is an item I had as a child. Well, I can't say I had it. My aunt had it, and I would go to her house, and I was allowed to play it. I felt like I owned it because I was the. I think they bought it for me when I came over. Uh, this was my aunt who um, who had some money, so she had the Coleco tabletop version of Donkey Kong. You've seen these cute little cabinets; they all are all over the place. Lots of them missing battery doors in their boxes. It's horrible. Uh, lots of them are broken or in really horrible condition, but they're cute. They look like little mini arcade cabs. They're blue. They come in a crappy little box and they are oftentimes, as I said, not in the best shape. So if you want one of those, uh, I'm sure you've seen them. They are not too inaccessible to get. They made a lot of them. And this was around the time frame of August, 1982. We're still in that 
beautiful time of 1982 in the summer when Donkey Kong was the biggest thing there was ever. Because look at all the things. It was barely in the arcade, and now it's everywhere. It's on the Clico. It's on Atari. They've got little tabletops. And it's also, we're going to be talking about simultaneously the Intellivision release. Woo! More August time frame stuff. So anyways, you can get this Clico cute tabletop one for 100 to 150 loose. Around 200, 250. I've seen them as high as 350 in the box. So if you're interested in that, they have a whole line. You can get Frogger, a bunch of stupid stuff. But Donkey Kong is is the one I see most often because, you know, people don't. It was that Donkey Kong life in the summer of 1982. So there I was think also the most the popular intelligent- ones I see are people with Donkey Kong, Pac Man, and Pac Man. Yeah. yeah. Yes, those are the three. But, uh, yeah, we. Uh, my aunt had all three of those. She must have bought them all at the same time. Cool. And she also had uh, River Raid, or not River Raid. It was like it was like River Raid. It was yellow and shaped kind of like a boat, but it was another little handheld one. Anyways, let's talk about Intellivision, August nineteen eighty two. Why? And this is what? <laughs> Why? What? Why are we Why talking what? about Intellivision? Because it had Donkey Kong. And it's not. It's not a first release. It's. It's just in television. Donkey Kong. But it's the first release that plays like the real arcade game. But it's not because that was the Atari version. <laughs> no, this one says the first release. And it plays like the real arcade game. Anyways, if you have the Intellivision, which Tyler is a known Intellivision hater, he hates it so much. So just be careful about his opinion on it. Anyways, the first release, if you're looking for one on the Intellivision, says plays like the real arcade game. The later release has. A Donkey Kong illustration and not for use with Intellivision 2 sticker on it. There is a sticker variant. It's 20 bucks. If you want this thing, go get it. The end. That's all the Donkey Kongs there ever were. There definitely weren't a fleet of them that came out and continually are still coming <laughs> yeah, that's out. That's it. Uh, not appearing in the show is going to be uh, NES Donkey Kong, Famicom Donkey Kong. Uh, what else? Donkey, Donkey Kong, Kong Classics. Donkey Kong Classics. Donkey Kong probably, on the Game Boy. Like, Atari 400, Commodore 64, Commodore VIC-20. Probably yeah. uh, Amiga seems too late. Apple Danky II. Danky Kang memes. What was that, Stefan? I said Danky Kang memes. Danky Not King. appearing on this show. No, not appearing on this show. Although, if we want to get into the more modern stuff. So, there is, like, if you were into the idea that Donkey Kong is the truest Mario, there is a lot of Donkey Kong you can go get. You can be swinging that big... Danky Kang around if you want. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you can tell people what what a baller collector you are and how you know that this is the real, true first appearance of Mario. Or we could talk about, you know, this weird one, the first Mario game. The first Mario game. Hey, Tyler, what do you think the first Mario game is? Uh, obviously, that's Mario Bros, Johnny, right? Yeah, Right? And what, where would you say that that first one was? Well, I mean, I remember when I was a child in, in 1983, and I walked into the arcade, and there was a wide-body Mario Brothers arcade cabinet just sitting there with both Mario and Luigi on it, Johnny. Yeah. Is that true? That's the first one, not Game & Watch, on March 14th, 1983? What, Johnny? Which is also the first appearance of oh, Luigi? Oh, they, they made an adaptation of the arcade game before it came out. So it must play like Mario Brothers then. Yeah, absolutely. It's also the possible appearance of Red Luigi and Donkey Kong Jr. No. So so uh, the Mario Brothers Game & Watch, it came out four months before the arcade game Mario Bros. And has nothing to do with Mario weird. Bros. 
Yeah, it's it, not the same thing. <laughs> they're like it's uh, Mario and Luigi are loading bottles onto a truck. Yes, uh, it, it's and they look like beer bottles. Like you don't like what is going on with them? You're like, are these guys distillery brothers? What is happening? They just like they deliver to Vaughn's. Like you've been in your store before, and like those people are unloading the pallet directly onto the shelves. That's what this Mario game is. Congrats, they found it. It is not Mario <laughs> Brothers. Uh, you know, pal blocks and crabs and sewers. It is Mario Bros. The the bottle guys. Yeah, it's very weird, right? <laughs> um, so yeah. it is. I mean, like, there's Mario bombs away is a game and watch where it's like literally Mario in the Vietnam War carrying bombs through the jungle. Yes, it is much weirder than this. Uh, there, but- Mar- Mario Mario's had a weird history. But uh, you can buy uh, this. Uh, uh, but let me let me tell people about this. There are like if you want get the earliest cereal you can find. It starts around thirty five million and they go up to around forty six million. It's just the serial number. Relate later releases have barcodes on the back or on the blister packaging. And this game is about loading bottles into a truck, which we've already said. So hooray! And uh, so, definitely the first appearance, Luigi. I will not accept uh, any contrary opinions that Mario Bros. The arcade game is the first appearance, Luigi. He's a little Game & Watch guy. Says Luigi on the thing. Does. This. All right. Anyways, um, here's some more stuff. How do you feel about Mario Cement Factory, which is another Game & Watch game that came out uh, on April 28th, 1983. There are different box variants for this too, just so you guys know. Um, a little bit different, the Japanese box to the American box and some of the later release in the blister packaging. So look out for those. Uh, if you want Cement Factory, uh, and this is all still pre-Mario Bros, you can go out and find that. It's another weird game. Mario, uh, you know, I think we can assume that you know, he, he was named Osan, so we know he's middle-aged at this point. But Mario must have probably been a drunk, I think, because he could not hold down a gig. That's all I'm saying. He did a lot of different jobs. I like, mean, he was just struggling he's a plumber. To get by. He's just looking for some side gigs. Yeah, he could. Maybe he was just like super entrepreneurial. No, I don't think that's it. Uh, like, I think he's got some trauma from Vietnam, which he was clearly in. Right. He came back yeah. and he could never sure. quite get himself sober. And <laughs> you know, the best thing that ever happened to him was going to the mushroom factory, uh, mushroom, the mushroom kingdom. factory. Uh, yeah. The mushroom, the mushroom kingdom. Right. And which you see immediately Mario can't get his shit together and is immediately on mushrooms. He finds the one <laughs> body altering substance there and is hooked, you know? So I'm just saying Mario's a junkie. Uh, it's, he's had a lot of vices and, like maybe he turned it around a little bit and became a hero in the mushroom kingdom. But like, really Mario's looking out for the mushroom kingdom and peach, but who's looking out for Mario right now? That's why. Also, I, I feel like being a hero in the mushroom kingdom is kind of a low bar. It is. It's a super right? low like, bar. Yeah. Like who, who can't be a, a hero in the mushroom kingdom? Come on. Yeah. I, I, I mean, there are some scary things there. Like Lakitu is a frightening thing. I, I don't, I don't want him to exist. Could you imagine that? No, thanks. <laughs> I don't want him to exist. <laughs> I probably don't. I mean, Mario, he, he's doing pretty well for himself, though, because this is called Mario's Cement Factory. Not Mario works at the Cement Factory. Mario's Cement Factory. Okay. Oh, okay. So, so, he, so he owns it. So you think he's the owner? 
Yeah. Then why is he doing the grunt work? Because you know when you you're an entrepreneur, you have to get in there and do it. You can't you, you can't rely on people to do everything for you. If you want it done right, start you're up. the only one who cares about time. your business. Look, he might he might own it in, in the idea of ownership, but we know who really owns it. The bank. He's never paying that off. He's never <laughs> going to be a success here. I okay. Mean, he the that's bank why he's is picking up it. all these coins this he finds on the business. floor, Johnny. This dude is in so much debt. Mario is a wreck. Okay. And we know this because if he wasn't, why was he out there trying to wrestle monkeys earlier? Okay. This is not a guy that you want on your side in the real world in the mushroom kingdom. Sure. But like, look at the Mario brothers movie. Look how weird that was. Okay. They, they took a, a weird take on him because they looked at the source material and they were just like, this guy's too much of a mess for us. We got to do something different. Same. Anyway. I just wanted to, I just thought it was interesting that Mario's Cement Factory came out before Mario Bros, which yep. is like the iconic, quote unquote, first Mario game. First, But yeah, there's two games thinks. before it, at least. Um, the first Mario Cement Factory was the the tabletop one. If you care about buying Mario Cement Factory for some reason, uh, they, they made a couple different variants like that are handheld like regular uh, games. And we've talked about Mario Cement Factory on the show before, and we've recommended that you buy it because it's pretty neat. Also... It's weird that Nintendo doesn't like they don't want to acknowledge Mario Cement Factory or the Bothole Factory. They don't want to do anything with that. They're just like, you know what? Are you sure? Wanna, like they don't really. They made like, a lot of Game and Watch collections over the years. Yes, but they don't like really talk. They never push it. Like he's not. It's not in Smash Brothers. Like up front, I want all these versions of Mario in Smash Brothers. You know what I don't need? I don't need. Uh, you know, cloud from Final Fantasy in my Smash Brothers, but I would accept a version of Mario from the Cement Factory. I do. I like the callbacks if, if they do stuff I, like that. Yeah. And I, the dude from Mario Brothers 3 with uh, the insect repellent, where's that guy? Why isn't he a character? Are you talking about Donkey Kong 3? Hold on. Uh, yeah. Yes. Stanley? Sorry, Donkey Kong. <laughs> yeah, Stanley. Thank he you. I couldn't be. remember his name. The Stanley Parable. That's a, a reference for you guys. Um, yeah, he should be in it, and uh, Pauline, it's like Pauline, right? Or is it Paulina? It's Pauline, right? There's Pauline, and then there's Lady. Um, I forgot what Lady's in. I know Lady is in Pinball. Like, it's not Peach or Pauline in Pinball. It's Lady, I believe. I don't know why I know that. Mario has yeah, too many girlfriends, hey. what I'm trying to say. Hey, yeah, well. Yeah, you know like, what? Don't slut shame. Uh, you're right. Okay. You know, well, okay. I would say it's 2021, but you know what, Stefan? It was 1983. So, uh, so might so be slut shame. All you want. <laughs> <laughs> like, how many kids do we think Mario has? Uh, like, he, I mean, oh, why do you think, like, like could that be the reason he went to the Mushroom you, Kingdom? Escape that alimony payment? Use, right? like, and all that child support? I think he I feel like all he'd have to do, all he'd have to do is, like, bang one mushroom and, like, they would she he'd have a load of kids right because like no i'm talking about real world spores. mario I'm, I'm talking about mario who's a drunk delivering bottles no, i'm just saying that if he like boned if he got like if he got down in the mushroom kingdom with a local like he could have thousands of i mean maybe children. who knows if we can breed with them i know this is the content our listeners want they <laughs> they want is. a special spec sexuating sexuating is not a word but it should be they want us speculating not on the cost of uh what games they could buy to make a mint they want us to speculate yeah. on whether mario's sperm is viable in a in a toad uh <laughs> right. toad like the, the mushroom people <laughs> uh, that's what the people I, are here I, for I, 
Yeah, I'm, I'm also equally interested in talking about the reproduction system of uh, Peach. So, <laughs> yeah. So, well, what is Peach? Is Peach a lady or I is she know. a toadstool? Because he was Princess Toadstool, right? Yeah, right. That just means she's the human time. princess of the toadstools. You right? think she's human? Yes. So she fell into the Mushroom Kingdom as well. It's like Narnia. Did Mario there? fall like, into the Mushroom Kingdom? Just like everyone who falls Absol- into the kingdom, they're just like, "You are a god." Yeah, Mario definitely <laughs> went down a sewer pipe and wound up in the Mushroom Kingdom. Are we okay? Is this canon from the Super Mario Brothers movie? <laughs> I don't know. I have I have official head canon for how Mario got there. I have. I a mean, whole it is thing. it is that is canon for the cartoon show too. Like they, you in the intro, you see him beginning sucked down a f-ing drain. Also. Talk about other jobs Mario had. It's a little early in the episode to get there, but Captain Lou, they were in a pizza shop, right? Or mm, no, they were no, they were plumbers. No. no, they were plumbers and they just had pizza that came. Why did they love pizza? Was it just because they were Italian and we were playing on stereotypes? Uh, <laughs> no, Johnny. It was much more culturally sensitive than that. Is it because they were in New York, theoretically? Look, I'm okay with it. Like, John. look, I, you look at Captain Lou about you. You know that guy loves a piece of pizza. I'm okay with it. But they talked about pizza and like really, really shameful stereotypes a lot in that show. Mm. It's not a show that would make it today. We would have to have like a PSA about it. I am. I'm surprised there's not a PSA about it being so culturally ins- insensitive uh, before each episode. If if it was on Netflix or some, shit, it would be. Yeah. There would be like a disclaimer. Yeah. I might need to hear Johnny making a reference to the fact that the show included PSAs. Tyler, I'll let you know when the jokes happen, okay? All right. So that wasn't a joke or anything? No, that was just me talking. Okay. All right. No ding for that one. I'm going to get us back on track, guys, because we've done a lot of not talking about games this episode. Mario Brothers. Uh, the arcade release. The actual actual Mario Brothers? The actual Mario Brothers in arcades. Are we talking about... Uh, Are we talking so, about weird sewer systems that like aren't supported? They've got turtles. Like, you murder turtles and crabs I, for some reason, even though you are clearly the one who's not supposed to be here. They're just animals living in the sewers, which is where they belong. How big are those crabs? Why is it like that should have been Mario's job, dragging those things up to the surface and making money? <laughs> Mario the fisherman. That's probably a thing. Yeah. Anyway, um, so f- all the other bullshit we've talked about since Donkey Kong, because now it's Mario Brothers. Finally. The pseudo first appearance of Luigi, because Mario Brothers, the arcade game, was in development before the actual Game & Watch game was. So this is the first time Luigi was worked on as a character, although the game actually came out after the Game & Watch. The actual Mario Brothers arcade game, I believe, was released within one day of the Famicom coming out. That's somewhat interesting. Um, I know I don't know anything. I so I went into all this detail about collecting um, Donkey Kong variants because I mean that is the first appearance of Mario, so that's the one you'd want to go super deep on. Uh, I don't know anything about uh, Mario Bros. arcade variants, but uh, there's a wide body cabinet which is wider than a standard Nintendo arcade cabinet. That's the one every everyone wants. Mario Brothers and Donkey Kong both super common arcade games. Uh, everyone should just go buy them. What more people on um, listening to the show will probably buy though. Uh, the 1983 ports, uh, which there are two of, and I'm just going over these two console ports because they're the uh, the first ones. Obviously, Mario Brothers got ported to fucking everything like all these early Mario games did. 
the first port was in September of 1983. It is the Famicom port. The original release is a pulse line cartridge in a small box. So the uh, sort of the black box games of Famicom, all the original releases, they have a pulse line cartridge. It has like, you know, like a heartbeat line on the cartridge. Yeah, it's very common on all the Famicom games. You've seen this white line. Yes. Um, And then later releases of Mario Brothers had a picture cartridge of, you know, early art of Mario and Luigi on it. And then the latest releases on Famicom, it comes in a silver box, a standard sized Famicom box with sort of a a silver outline around the whole box. I, I think that the, those silver box games often sell for a premium and I'm not sure why. Like, I think the silver box Donkey Kong I see on Yahoo, it sells for like, $100 $100 sometimes when the regular Donkey Kong can sell for like 50 So uh, I don't know what's, if there's something special about those silver box releases, because to me, they're just like random late releases. Uh, I would say get the small box Mario Pros. It's like 30 to $75 complete. I tried taking a look, but all the ones for sale right now seem pretty wrecked. Um, and then the second 1983 port uh, in December, a few months later, is the Atari 2600 version of Mario Bros, you might uh, have seen certain auction houses hyping it as the first console release of Mario Brothers, which it absolutely not is not, because the Famicom version came before it and is a better version of Mario Bros. But um, the original release of this has, uh, it comes in a silver box and it's got sort of full art, like the entire uh, art on the box is Mario Brothers. It's like $150 complete in box. Uh, the sort of middle release, it has a red stripe across the front of the box that says Mario Brothers, and the art is kind of crammed into the bottom part of the box. And then the latest release is uh, is that red box re-release, where just the whole box is red. F*** those games. I hate those red box games so much, uh, just because they're ugly. Later releases, um, I, I honestly see more sealed late releases than uh, complete box ones. I would just guess they're somewhere in the range of less than $150. And because this is Mario Bros, and because this Atari version is a game that has a lot of hype behind it right now, sealed prices, I'm sure, are all over the place, despite being Mario Bros, which I'm sure is not the rarest game of all time. I think the original release, like I've seen the original, uh, the first print uh, on Atari 2600, I'm almost positive has sold for well over $20,000. Yuck. Uh, so to put in context, an air raid cartridge, I believe had a record sale recently of $10,000, which is, it's not literally the rarest Atari 2600 game, but it's, it's as close to a Holy grail that is actually obtainable on Atari 2600. That's not like a one-off or a two-off. Uh, and it's worth half of what a sealed Mario brothers is now. Kind of, uh, I mean, kind of speaks to where we're at, um, on the investor. Totally totally different markets of of people still hanging on to the dream of owning air raid i really wonder who won that air raid. i mean is it like some guy in his 60s who's like finally after 40 years my life is complete or is it just an investor who's gonna try to flip it for 20 also the thing about that air raid sale though is that it was on the on the uh goodwill website right like i feel like if it was on anything else basically it probably would have done a little better no mm-mm. i think 10 grand goodwill- for air is actually a, a really high sale uh, I don't remember. Uh, Goodwill produces a lot of head-scratchingly high sales. Yeah, you're going to say Goodwill produces a lot of money laundering? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Because the, the you would think that the Goodwill online auctions are a place like, oh, who's going to be watching this? And just everything goes for more than it's worth on like, eBay? Everything. 
I don't understand. And it's not like this is new. This has been going on for a long time. If you've been collecting for a while, and I mean, we're talking 10, 15 years ago, the Goodwill site, and it has not changed. It's still the same garbage it was back then. It, I don't understand. I don't know what happens there. Some, like, the prices, someone, like, figured out something where, like, if I buy something off Goodwill auctions, like, it says Goodwill on my statement, and I could pretend that was a donation, so it's actually tax deductible when I buy this. Like, something's going on with Goodwill auctions. But 100% there is money laundering uh, going on there, and our lawyers are telling me that that is allegedly there is money laundering going on there. I can't say 100%. There's some other stuff happening where Mario is just everywhere. He's like doing cameos. And I think the best person to talk about cameos is uh, Stefan Reese, because this guy is all over the place making cameos as well. That's right. Uh, you can uh, find me on cameo and I can wish you a happy birthday. Yeah. Low, low cost of $5. It's very reasonable. Yeah, no, I, I don't do that. I don't do that. I did, however, recently buy a uh, cameo from Jojo Siwa for my daughter. That was worth its weight in gold, let me tell you. But anyway, yeah, so let's talk about cameos. Uh, first cameo appearance in a game being Pinball for the Famicom, uh, which also got a black box US release. Everyone is probably familiar with. Mario is front and center on the American box art, despite the fact that his actual in-game appearance <laughs> is in this like mini game that, I mean, I guess it's, kind of easy to find right i mean you just sink it in that hole in the bottom of the map you have to get like i forgot you have to get like a certain number of points or something it's not like if you press random buttons you'll get there it, it takes some work to get if i remember yeah the uh the thing that's horrifying about that mini game so so basically it takes you to this little mini game where you uh mario's got a, a steel girder that he's holding over his head uh as the as, like the paddle right and it's bouncing this steel ball sort of like uh well like breakout right where he's it's, it's you're trying to hit a uh a, uh the bottom of the of a platform that uh that pauline is uh running back and forth across and then you're supposed to catch her with that girder and then you know usher her to safety oh my god if you miss and she falls <laughs> first of all it's like an instant game over <laughs> which i think is funny but like there's this, so her like do, do you remember the that circus atari game tyler of with course the, like where like your little stick figure, if you miss and it hits the ground, it like it, its head flattens out and like its it, legs are like kicking. It's horrifying. Uh, it's it's a there's a very similar like horrified, uh, horrifying uh, effect to Pauline's character model. If you miss that catch and she like scrunches down and like the game freezes for a minute just so you can like <laughs> think about what you've done, it's the most horrifying thing and i would not have remembered that had i not have uh watched a, a youtube video while y'all were talking about in television and uh and uh, yeah because it's horrifying and I'm, I'm sure my uh childhood stefan has uh has uh, blocked that out or had blocked that out um but yeah uh what else do you want to say about this game it's not uh terribly oh there's a what the there's like the the matte sticker version is there a matte and a glass sticker version of that game uh, yeah, you know? it's a launch Both. game, so Both. the first release is just a match sticker that everyone on this podcast knows because everyone knows all Super Mario Brothers things. Yeah. Woo. Yay. Uh, it's pretty cheap. 20 bucks for the uh, CIB Famicom. We haven't really been doing prices today. $20 for the CIB Famicom uh, version, 25 to 50 uh, on NES for an average one, hundreds 
for a fancy pants one, I can tell you that Tyler wrote this because no one else says fancy pants on this <laughs> I podcast. I say fancy pants. Aww. You don't, you don't, you do not. I do. I say mm. a lot of weird things, Stefan. Hmm. And I talk quite a bit. Hmm. All right. All right. Well, I'm handing it back off to Johnny for, uh, oh, fun Stefan personal fact on this game. This is why I actually highlighted it as wanting to talk about it. This was one of the like three games that my mother would play when uh, when we were kids and she would like stay up till like three or four in the morning and we couldn't understand why we got the NES and suddenly she was very tired. Uh, she was playing pinball uh, on the uh, on the NES in the middle of the night. This and uh, Pac-Man were her big two. Occasionally some Tetris. She did some Tetris too. But uh, but yeah, it was uh, Pac-Man and uh, and pinball were her were her go-tos. So I, I will tell you, my mother also played this pinball. Huh. Yeah. Huh. This was one of the first games I ever got because it was a launch title. So I got it when I got my first NES. Uh, you know, it was a gift because they got me a bunch of the black box games because that's really all that was available at that time. But yeah, my mom liked pinball. My dad did too. So they thought it was neat that you could play pinball on the Nintendo. And they both the played that future. Way. Yeah. It's the future that never happened. People decided they did not want pinball and on a digital platform, except for those of us who do. We talked about this last episode. <laughs> no need to retread <laughs> that. Um, yeah. Anyways, uh, now back to me for some more first appearance is in sports games. Hey, Mario is a bit of um, a slut, as we've said. There's no better way to put it. He gets around. And he finds his way into all the code, apparently. So he his first appearance in a sport game is apparently tennis back in the Famicom days. So the referee there is January 14th, 1984. It's a, a launch title. Mario is the referee. He's also on the U.S. box. No, it's a launch board. title on the NES, not the Famicom. Yes. Well, you, you Tyler. I just didn't want to no, make sure I, I just understand. <laughs> no, I, I appreciate you interjecting and uh, clarifying. So, yeah, that's Tyler. That's not a joke. So don't ring the bell there. Okay. <laughs> okay. Anyways. Um, yeah, there's a, a Matt sticker black box version of this game. Mario is everywhere. So this is while this is his first appearance in a sports game. He goes on to be, as we talked about in the U.S. golf he gets into some other Game Boy ones. He's the referee in Punch-Out. Mario is all over the place. He is the franchise, guys. Like it or lump it, he's the man. So that doughy fat Italian is with us forever. I'm sorry, and, like uh, it or I've, lump it? Can you say that one more time? Yeah, like it or lump it. You've, what? Have you never heard this? Is that a thing? Stefan? Yeah? Referee here, you, is that a thing? Uh, I uh, I hear mostly I hear love it or shove it. That's the, uh, I would understand uh, that. That's what I hear. What is lump it? Is lump a verb? Can uh, I guess I could lump something, but what? Yeah, like I, I'm assuming you're talking about like. Go ahead and Google it and see physical how quickly assault? it comes up. All right. All right, we're taking a break in the show for like it or lump it. You're gonna get cancer uh, back. <laughs> first I, I know for sure. First uh, result is Cambridge.org. All right. Uh, the Cambridge Dictionary says, uh, to tell someone to like it or lump it, you mean that that person must accept a situation they do not like because it cannot be changed. There you go. Uh, Mario is wearing a monocle to, to, to use this phrase. I think it's a very high class phrase. I'm telling you that there's no changing Mario. So 
much Tyler, I don't know why he questions me on this. Every time he questions me on like some word or language, he gets proven wrong on show or after show. Yeah. Like it or lump it. Yeah, Tyler. Correct use. Thanks. Tyler, just stop having opinions. Oh, man. It's, uh, no, it's, it's not a, old. It's, he can have an opinion, but he should probably not question whether I'm, you know, using words right. As stop he questioning not, Johnny. Jesus. No, he's allowed to question me. I'm just saying his track record, on, at least on words, is pretty poor. I make a lot of mistakes, but usually words. on my words, word choice is pretty good. <laughs> Unless I'm mistaken. Yeah. Anyways, good words. I'm. The, I use the best words. The goodest. You words. have the best words. Yeah, I, I do heard. have the best words. One hundred percent. Anyways, Mario. He is. He's in sports games. He's in a lot of sports games. Johnny, I'm going to go off script. What's the first Mario sports game? Because tennis doesn't count. Golf doesn't count. Because golf didn't turn into Mario Golf. That was a separate thing. What's the actual first Mario sports? Is Mario, it Mario Golf? I mean, it's got got to be like on N64, right? I mean, unless you consider Mario Kart. Uh, well, okay, hold on. Wait. Sport. Didn't Mario Golf start in Game Boy Color? Now you're freaking me out. Also, it, yeah, if kart yes. racing is a Mario- sport, then it would be Super Mario Kart before then. Yeah, but yes, uh, Mario Mario Tennis and Mario Golf are, or Mario Golf at least is on Game Boy Color. All right, we're doing it live. Uh, the Mario Golf came out in uh, August 1999 in Japan, October in America. And what, what's what's our other guest? Mario Tennis. Yeah. So Ooh. we're dealing with late 1999 versus 2000 Ma- for Mario Tennis. It's definitely Mario Golf. Hey, 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 Whoa. hey! What else? Mario Tennis 1995, the Virtual Boy. Oh, oh okay. All right. All so, right. all right, we're going there. Yeah. If we thought about this more, we have like 10 more years. We have to we get back to the launch of the NES. <laughs> um, I. Sure, Mario Tennis. There we go. We're just going to say that canonically after uh, a bunch of good research we put into this episode. We're just going to say, yeah, Mario Tennis on Virtual Boy first. Unless you believe that karting and racing, like, is racing a sport? Absolutely. Lewis Hamilton is a goddamn athlete. Okay, then Mario Kart is the first sports game. Yeah, I guess it would have been before 95, right? What if there's a Mario cameo in F1 race? Well, no, we're looking for Mario Mario in the title. Stop breaking your own rules, Tyler! Your your desire to be right just made you <laughs> no, sound crazy. No, I'm my desire to be contrarian, Johnny. <sighs> I genuinely think that it's that it's the Virtual Boy Mario Tennis. I'm looking I've, through lists yeah for now. that kind of sport, but if not, it's definitely Mario Kart. Yeah, there's no like Mario Sports on 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 NES. So, yeah. and Doctor Mario, he's a Mario. So hard. Ooh, what about uh, no NES Open Tournament Golf doesn't count. Mario the Juggler Ooh. doesn't count. Yeah, it's just Mario Kart. If you you're go. counting that, boring, <laughs> boring. Anyways, let's uh, let's go on to something that happens after Mario's first appearance in a sports game, uh, and before, you know, well, before we get to anything else. Let's talk about the biggest one, the real, the real deal, Holyfield, Super Mario Brothers, the game, everyone. We can talk about everything else, but if you don't talk about Super Mario Brothers, I mean, everything else is fine. Mario is like an all-star, get it? That's a, that's one of the jokes, Tyler. Um, oh, hey. You ring the bell. Yeah. You did, okay, so, but to be fair, John, you didn't give him a chance on that one. I, I wouldn't I'm have just, got No, it. I told 100%. him I would let him know where the joke was. It was just like a one-two punch right there. 
No, I'm just letting him know. I don't want him to miss any of them. So mm, okay. we've gotten to the point where no joke can be funny because we have to tell him. Got it. Right, yeah. So, um, yeah. Anyways, Mario. Uh, now I'm digressing completely. Super Mario Brothers. It's the thing that started all. What do you want to know about it? We've talked it to death. You've seen it sell for a hundred thousand dollars and more. Now is is the million dollar six hundred thousand dollars? Is that? Yeah. Am I remembering correctly? Yeah, six, yeah. Is the million dollar? Is the million dollar Mario on on its way? Could be. Anyways, uh, I guess if you want one, you want that matte sticker one. No barcode, barcode Famicom FF on Famicom for the first release. No, nope. don't worry whoa, about it. Whoa! Oh my God! Whoa! What? No. <laughs> Uh, what the original uh, Mario Brothers or Super Mario Brothers on Famicom has no barcode, and then the middle release has a barcode on the back, and the latest releases have FF um, on the cartridge and okay. on the box. There's a little Famicom logo. There, there are a lot of variants for that version of Super Mario Brothers. It's got sweet little box art. It's a nice collectible to throw on your shelf. I probably wouldn't worry about it uh, if that one hasn't hit. On the thousands of dollars yet, probably isn't coming soon. So if you want the Famicom one, you can go grab that. If not, just go find a boxed one if you can. And we've talked to death about the many, many variants of Super Mario Brothers that you can get. Obviously, matte sticker seals or any sticker seal is ideal. Then hang tabs. And then just having circle seals. And then oval seals. And then oval seals with stars are better than that. Oh then just God. regular oval seals. It's all gross. Just be try sure and find to one drink with your seal. oval seals. I feel like, so, I, I don't know. It might be Thanks Super Mario Brothers reference that no one gets. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you're I, I got jokes it. aren't I allowed to be funny. On that. Um, yeah. Like, Mario Bro- Super Mario Brothers has so many variants that people worry about now that it has taken me from being like, Everything needs to be exactly specifically correct, Tyler. And I look at Super Mario Brothers, I'm just like, we've got a hang tab, just got a sticker, or is it Noble Seal? And beyond that, just like, F- it, I don't care. Oh my God, you guys are talking about all this f-ing garbage for like this random middle print of Super Mario Brothers. I, am I tired? Of, I think I have Mario, Super Mario Brothers fatigue. I can't say Mario Brothers because it's that's another big part of this episode. Uh, Stefan, do you want to talk about some some real collectibles like magazines? <laughs> like magazines? Sure. Yeah, I'll talk about the... Uh, so, okay. There's... there's. We were talking about this uh, before the show. I do not have a very wide knowledge of international magazines. I actually tried to hit up Frank Cifaldi before this episode, but he did not get back to me in time for this broadcast. So I wanted to find out whether or not this was the first... Um, the first like appearance on the cover of a magazine for Mario. Uh, but uh, Nintendo Power number one, uh, which of course uh, features the sculpted cover uh, based on Super Mario Brothers 2 that is famously uh, incorrect colors, unless you're going to say that it's built off of the uh, Mario Brothers sprite, which then I guess it would be correct colors, right? Doesn't he have blue overalls and a hat? Uh, in Mario Brothers, Tyler, am I crazy? Yes, you're yeah, correct. So. It's still so that's I, still weird and doesn't make any sense. I, but I sure. guess well, so okay, so here's the thing. Uh, occasionally, this isn't something that I've actually asked anyone about. I should actually. This might be interesting, but uh, oftentimes it would be that you know when uh, reference material was given to an artist for Ninja, Nintendo Power or anything else that 
um, they would give them in-game reference. So I guess it's in theory possible that that they were actually using um, the Mario Brothers sprite as a reference. It's possible. Um, but I can neither confirm nor deny that. Um, one thing that I do know is that um, it was notoriously, notoriously difficult to get um, the sculpt correct because uh, I'm fairly certain, or at least those are the, the, the accounts are, that this was the first time he was sculpted in 3D. Um, and so just figuring out what does Mario look like in, th- in three dimensions was uh, challenging for them. Um, this was sculpted by a Will Vinton artist, the studio that did... Um, the studio that did the California Raisins and like the Moonwalker movie and, you know, the very, very signature, very signature stuff. Uh, the Pizza Crunch of Bungas, <laughs> uh, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles commercials. Um, so yeah, lots of, lots of stuff. But, uh, that's why if you, if you think that this kind of looks a little bit like uh, California Raisins, it's cause it's probably sculpted out of the same stuff. It's like an oil clay. Um, this cover, unfortunately, was destroyed uh it was sitting in a fish tank in gail tilden's office the uh, then uh, well the founding editor-in-chief of the magazine uh and it was one of those corporate moves where like they sent everyone away for the weekend or whatever they like move the whole office when people are not in the office and these movers moved the fish tank and dropped it and destroyed it so those of you who are waiting for me to find this cover, not going to happen. No, for a fact, it was destroyed, unfortunately. Um, fun fact, they also did the homage for this cover uh, as the last cover of Nintendo Power. That cover was sculpted by uh, Leslie Levings uh, and uh, and famously mimics the, the, the first cover of Nintendo Power there. Um, what else do I want to say about this cover? Uh recently it's been very uh popular to have this <laughs> oh magazine God. graded uh what the the prices of nintendo power one right now are just yeah considering that they published 3.6 million copies of that magazine um that's striking to me but whatever uh y'all do your thing but yeah that's been uh, high high grade cgc graded copies of this book have been doing like 2000 plus i'd say conservatively i'm sure they i'm sure like a 9.4 or whatever probably did higher but uh but for as many as like i hear people selling them for high prices like that there's also usually a f- load of high grade ones or at least reasonably grade ones uh sitting on ebay doing nothing so okay uh, so I, I was basically getting my oh my god from facebook um because i see people like post in some cgc when they're like uh want to sell this for six thousand dollars or something and like i go on ebay like like 50 bucks for a complete garbage one and like a really nice one looks like it's like 250 right now i mean graded ones have sold four thousands that's yeah, the thing i know i know has i know but that's for like just like this tippy top of like you can't have a spine tick type condition Correct. Uh, that's about all I want to say about that cover. Oh, there, there's actually a variant of this cover um, that uh, one says uh, uh, free poster inside, which is the more common one. And then uh, the other one says sample issue, I think, right? Am I making that up? No, sample free issue. Free sample issue, right? Or something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, 
Also, you're first of all, you're wrong. This first of all, this isn't the first magazine cover appearance of Mario. Because uh, Fun Club definitely has it, well, and I know. But we decided that that wasn't a magazine. That I don't a... know. Rolling Stone's a magazine, and that came in newspaper form for a long time. Huh. Hmm. But this was a newsletter. It okay, was like fine. four pages. Uh, all right. Well, also, when did Nintendo Power come out? Nineteen eighty-eight. Nineteen eighty-eight. All right. Uh, so Famitsu issue number two has Mario on it, and that came out in nineteen eighty-six. And then I found Video Games Magazine, March 1983 issue. It has Donkey Kong and Donkey Kong Jr. on it. I'm positive there's something before 1986 that must have Mario on the cover. First Nintendo published magazine oh with my Mario God. on it. We're adding two. This is, we're going down the rabbit hole of like, if we add enough descriptors, anything's a first. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah, we, we will be like a grading company. Who do you well, think our also, audience is, Tyler? You have to clarify that newsletters are not, in fact, magazines. They aren't. I would I would have to go to get like technical definitions of magazines to see if I would argue with you because I don't know I don't know Johnny I don't have an opinion yet I could be swayed either way okay well after the show we can look it up and we can talk about it okay uh-huh all right Stefan keep going tell us about more Mario things mm, that's about it for Nintendo power. Uh, oh, sure. Yeah, I'll talk about Super Mario Land. I wanted to talk about this because uh, I recently beat the game for the first time, which is funny because as a kid, I had it, right? And I remember it being crushingly difficult, but clearly it's because I was very young um, and because uh, I had absolutely no problem beating it in a, in a couple hours. Uh, without... A couple hours? This game's like 15 minutes long. <laughs> it is not 15 minutes <laughs> it is long. It's so short. No, yeah, but short, but not 15 minutes. Uh, I know. It's got I know because I, I can levels. beat Star Fox in 19 minutes and it definitely took me long. 12! How do you put out a Mario game with 12 levels? And two of them uh. are shooting levels. Doesn't even count. <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh, first handheld game console appearance, right, of, uh, of Mario. If we're not considering a game and watch a console, I don't know how, right. how people are weird about what they call consoles. That's fair. Yeah, because they're different than like just like newsletters and magazines are different. <laughs> they're not the same thing. We'll talk about it, Johnny. We'll talk about it. Um, What's this green screens note here? I mean, other than the fact that obviously the Game Boy had a green screen. No, the first print have green screens on the back. Got it. So there are. At least two print runs. I don't like talking about print runs in specific terms because there's almost there's always more than we uh, we know as collectors. But, earlier prints, earlier uh, prints. But there's there's two major print runs that have green screens. So you look at the warranty on the side. Uh, there's a shorter warranty and a longer warranty. So if it says for sale and use and like in like United States and Canada and Mexico, then you have the bad one. That's the second print. That's the one that I have. If it doesn't have that for sale and use line, you've got the good one. That's the first print. Uh, so yeah, green screens alone. I mean, I think it's like one of those sticker things where it's like, yeah, green screens is still cool. If you have a gloss sticker, it's still cool. But you want to get the the firsty first first. Because the firsty first first is what matters, right, Johnny? No silver Absolutely. medals on Collector's Quest, even though no. the silver medal is the one I've got. <laughs> yeah. Um, another fun thing, uh, Shigeru Miyamoto Sorry. not involved with Super Mario Land. It was, uh, and it was produced by Gunpei Yokoi. But uh, so, if you don't like it, 
which it's all right. But uh, if you don't think it's up to par with other Mario games, just blame it on the fact that Shigeru Miyamoto wasn't involved. Just completely ignoring the fact that it's like an entire platformer on a console that launched with like Alleyway and Golf as other launch titles. Which also featured Mario. Whoa! <laughs> Alleyway features Whoa. Mario. I don't believe you, Stefan. He does. He's in the thing. Spaceship? Question He's mark? in the, the Vouse? Is that what that is? Uh, yeah, oh, wait, the, Tyler it. did not know this. And I had. I, I absolutely didn't know so. it. Also, it's not the Vouse because it's Arkanoid. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't look at box arts closely. I'm not like an art uh, connoisseur like uh, Stefan is. But yeah, in in the little paddle I for don't alleyway, have eyes like Stefan. Yeah, what? <laughs> <laughs> Mario's just chilling in the paddle. That's so cool. Yeah. That I think that box art is like a hundred times cooler. I think I have an alleyway, and now I want another alleyway. I want to go find a green screens alleyway now because I know Mario's in there. You should. Yeah. You should do this. Anyways. Yeah. Guys, did you know that Mario has been in a lot of things? Uh, no, I think uh, that's about it. So what do we nope. get up to? What's when Super Mario Land? Was that like 1989? Yeah. That's that was the it. last Mario game, right? That nope, nobody went off into the, the sunset, game. and it's just like Pirates of Dark Water. We never heard from him again. Yeah. Oh, why? So, why, Tyler? <laughs> now you've made half good, of our. I was having sad. such a nice podcast. Oh, well, if you're if. If you're getting sad when you're thinking about this, there's a place you can go. Pirates of Dark Water rules on Facebook. Rules with a Z. You'll meet a lot of like-minded people who you can commiserate or, with. Or you can join our Patreon, and there's a special room for you. And that's uh, uh, patreon.com slash collector's quest, where you can join for anywhere from 2 to $6. And they come with varying benefits. So check that out. And there's a bunch of sad people at the $6 tier who would love to talk to you about Pirates of Dark Water. <laughs> Speaking of, are you guys ready to start watching Pirates of Dark Water? I've got mine loaded up and ready to go. I'm ready to get into it. I'm I'm ready for to do a podcast about it. Can okay. I just get it on Amazon? Yeah, you can get it on Amazon, I think. If not, you can get it on iTunes. All right. Yeah, all right. I'll, I could do it. Or you'd be like me, fine. like years ago when I bought the bootleg DVDs off eBay. <laughs> Great. <laughs> So there are some, before we go too far down that line, uh, there are some other interesting, like, weird Mario first that you can talk about. And everyone's like, oh, man, if you want to get the first voiced Mario, you're like, oh, it's clearly going to be something like, I don't know, Mario 64 or something where he kind of talks and has words for the first time. But no, some people are going to come up and argue with you and say, get the Gottlieb pinball machine from 1992 because that's the first Mario voice and it's and it's uh, Charles Martel and he's doing it, except Tyler will tell you about, what it, what is it, typing with Mario or some garbage like so, that, that? I hate this fact. Mario teaches typing? Mario teaches type. I hate this for two reasons. I hate the Gottlieb pinball fact. Uh, for like three reasons. So number one, the Gottlieb Super Mario pinball. The Super Mario show predates it 1999 or 1989 and captain lou albano is the voice of mario clearly before this clearly that's not a game we're only talking about games game and watches are games they're not video games so games so this is the first voiced super mario game you got to put another qualifier on it so wait super show really predated the pinball machine yeah it's 1989 yeah when did the pinball machine come out 1992 oh all right well that's way after all right captain lou albano the voice of mario um 
Swing your arms from <laughs> side bet, to side. You know what? I bet you there's probably some like Japanese um, commercial or something well, where he's voiced. Yeah. yeah. We got a ton of weird NES commercials here, so yeah. probably. Anyway, Stefan, your, your pinball fact I hate for a lot of reasons. One, I think the, the Super Mario Brothers pinball sucks. It looks awesome. It is not fun to play. Two, you knew a pinball fact that I didn't, and I hate That's that. That's why I love this fact. So, <laughs> three... The pinball machine is voiced by Charles Martinet, who is, like, the voice of Mario. And my fun fact is that in Mario Teaches Typing, the original MS-DOS release uh, is the first video game uh, voice of Mario, is Mario Teaches Typing, the DOS release, and it's not Charles Martinet. So my fact is like, oh, did you know that the original voice of Mario is actually not Charles Martinet, but when they re-released Mario Teaches Typing on the CD-ROM version, it is Charles Martinet, but that doesn't matter because the pinball machine is him and it predates Mario Teaches Typing. So my guy is just some ass that had like this weird one round middle game. Tyler, do you know how fulfilling it is when I get to like push up my glasses at you? <laughs> And be like, no, f- you and your fun fact. Oh, my <laughs> stupid fact. The pinball fact is so much better. What was he uh, doing voicing a pinball machine, man? Making that money. Get that cheddar. Oh, uh, and so none cool. of that matters because really it's Captain Lou. It, and really it's Captain Lou. Like, I never thought about it like that. I like having my opinion changed. And that is a much both funner and funnier fact. So excellent. Yeah. Although... Now the the obvious next course of action is to go search through Japanese Famicom commercials. Or even, yeah, I don't I'm know if sure. there's like arcade well, no, shorts. Now you got to start to get early appearances of Captain Lou back in his pre WWF days um, when he was uh, before. <laughs> like, if you don't know the history of wrestling, and clearly Tyler doesn't, uh, there was basically a bunch <laughs> I get of. That joke. Fe- Thank you, ding! You can ring it right there, Tyler. All right. Um, <laughs> There was wrestling was a bunch of fiefdoms that were not like really broadly broadcast. They were just like little like pop ups in certain cities and areas that kind of traveled like circuses to some extent until the WWF brought them all together. Um, and that's when Vince McMahon actually took took control of it by buying out his father and then buying up other like small ones. But Captain Lou was like the big name. Uh, in an earlier thing before he went to WWF. And uh, part of that was with the help of like WWF making its name because it got launched with Cindy Lauper of all people who had a chance meeting with Captain Lou on a plane once. And uh, as MTV was coming up, Cindy Lauper was finally starting to hit as the kids say. And uh, she knew Captain Lou and she brought him into her video for girls just want to have fun as the disapproving father. And then when MTV was, uh, and Vince McMahon were bringing wrestling, uh, to times square in New York, they needed, they needed someone from the MTV crowd. And since Cindy Lauper and captain Lou were friends, they brought Cindy Lauper in as a manager. And captain Lou was like a heel manager as well. Crazy times well, he, to the eighties. He was in, he and a bunch of wrestlers too, was in Cindy Lauper's video for, um, the Goonies theme song too, right? Yeah. 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 She, she made friends with them through that. She was on a random trip to Cuba and she happened to sit by captain Lou and they became friends, uh, before WWF, before she made it big or anything. Um, they became friends. It was a random plane trip. They weren't like close friends or anything. They just met on this plane, had a good experience with each other. And then as their lives, uh, went on, they happened to get inter 
intertwined in this thing as MTV and WWF were merging to like the, it wasn't the brawl that ended all. I think that was the second one. There's some some other one in Times Square uh, that predates that as uh, MTV was coming into its own and uh, WWF was coming into its own. Because WWF's original name was the WWF Worldwide Wrestling Federation, and worldwide being two different words. And now, uh, then they shortened it to to WWF, which then you know ran up into the <laughs> some copyright issues, and then they changed their name to WWE. So, anyways, Captain Lou. Now you need to go. The point of this is you need to go find all that early Captain Lou merch and maybe some Cindy Lauper merch to get your collection plus up. That's all I'm saying. There you go. So far, uh, I took that. I took that. Uh that opportunity to go look at famicom commercials <laughs> and uh and so far the earliest one i can see unfortunately is super famicom uh where it's a stop motion uh commercial um and mario is singing uh and but it is indeed from 1990 so that would not be nope. that would not predate captain lou so right, so far lou, og so far captain lou is the og so far that's right. Come on, everybody. Let's do the Mario. If I'm actually you, like you, genuinely interested in this now. So if anybody does, uh, if you're if you're sitting there pushing up your glasses at us because you, you know of an early of an earlier voice for Mario, uh, I am genuinely interested now. So the problem is, once you find that Japanese commercial, you're then going to have to find who voiced that Japanese commercial. Um, can you just like sick Frank Cifaldi on that? Does he does he go down rabbit holes like that, or does that not matter to him? Usually not for vi- things that aren't actually video games. Oh, well, his his, his, on, his this deep is This is important. <laughs> but maybe I'm not going to look at like a Lou Albano like a video of him as a child. I'm like those were Mario's first words. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, unfortunately for uh, you, Stefan, um, I know your death radar. Is probably pinging like, should I go get Captain Lou's signature right now? Oh, he's he been is, dead for a while. Uh, he's uh, well, two thousand nine, so it's been a little while. So, so you know, sorry guys, he's no longer with us. I bet. Uh, if, if that, if you're just finding that out and it hurts, I'm sorry. There's a place you can go if you're sad. <laughs> We've already told you about this. Uh, you All probably right. get a signed card. Cards are real hot right now. Yeah, I can see. There's Here's- like you get one for two hundred bucks. There's no shortage of his signature on eBay. Um, I don't. How do we? We're talking. How did you get into like talking about like 1960s territory wrestling promotions? Like the one type of wrestling, like I just don't give a f- about. I don't know anything about. Damn it, Johnny! Because we're talking about Captain Lou. <sighs> and I said, you, like, if you want to get into the history of Captain Lou, like, people go down rabbit holes, like yourself. They're like, okay, well, that was his first thing. Maybe I should go get his true, true first thing. Like, where was he? What kind of wrestler was he? Like, where is he from? Oh, he was born in Rome, Italy? I didn't know that. God, Captain Lou was kind of old. Oh, he's dead now. Okay. I'm just letting people know. And he was born in Italy. He is actually an Italian playing Mario. Oh, okay, so hold on. Correction correction mario is canonically japanese i thought is he i'm pretty sure that is the case well i don't I, remember I think... why but <laughs> i mean well <laughs> this this could be something i read on a wiki somewhere that someone made up uh maybe he's from the mushroom kingdom but by everything we've talked about he doesn't seem like he he's not was from born the mushroom in kingdom. the mushroom kingdom 
he, he was not born in the Midwest. Yeah. Haven't you been listening, Tyler? I have. All right. And if you watch the Super Mario Super Show, he is definitely an Italian plumber. He's Mario Mario, and there's Papa Mario and Luigi Mario and a whole family of Marios. Wait, is Papa Mario in the Super Show? I don't know. Because Papa Mario is in the Mario anime. Uh, which might predate Lou Albano. I know in in the live action segments, they had cousins, which was, of course, it was them dressed as women because that was appropriate. Oh, boy. And, uh, but uh, I don't remember if they ever had the parents show up. All right. I mean, I know he, he all like Mario references his parents, like Mama Luigi or Mama Mario cooking and stuff like that in the, in the show. But I don't remember if we ever actually see them. I'm reading some Wikipedia nonsense, and it says um, Mario is drawn particularly with his large nose on Western influences. And once he became a plumber, Miyamoto decided to put him in New York and make him Italian. All right. I mean, I have to read the source of Wikipedia, but I'll believe you that Mario is Italian, but lives in New York. Where's New Donk City? What is going on? We're, Man, New- Mario's never in America. <laughs> Unless you watch the Super Show. This kid, <laughs> Stefan, why hasn't why, he seen the Super why Show? Why are you talking about shit you don't know shit about, Tyler? Oh, my God. All right. God. All right. Well, I, I only care about video this, game appearances. You know what? I'm offended right now. You've offended me to my core. I'm not going to take it anymore. Stefan, this kid has never swung his arms from side to side or <laughs> attempted to do the Mario. <laughs> That's the one thing I know from the Super Show, though. Oh, I have swung my arms from side to side. Yeah, and done the Mario. Come on, everybody, let's do the Mario. Yeah, you didn't even know it was called the Mario Rap. Come on, everybody, it's time to go do the Mario. You're getting the lyrics wrong, even. I know the Mario better than you know the Mario, and that plays after every episode. There's two. The end credit and the start song are different. (laughs) They are. They are very different. Guys, um, we need to. I, I don't. I don't care about wrapping the show down. But if there's someone who just listens to like this, hoping for some information, can we cut it off? Let's make it very clear. I've got. We got no more Mario appearances. No more research on Mario dates or cool stuff. Hotel Mario's the first game with extensive voice acted dialogue between Mario characters, but it's not the first show because the Mario Brothers Super Show and that weird anime in Japan. Whatever that was, uh, Mario 64 is the first 3D Mario. I think we all know that. Um, and and selling for $100,000 Mar- right now. First Mario as a baby is in Super Mario World 2. Are you are you 100% sure on that? No, absolutely not. Why would <laughs> I, I would guess that, that probably, right? Yeah. Also, the su- first Super Mario World was uh, on the Super Nintendo. Because the sure other ones that? were lands. Yeah, the others were lands. What if the uh, Nintendo Super System version came out first? I have no idea. It absolutely didn't, because I looked it up when I bought one, because I wanted it to be first so bad, but it's not even close. <laughs> okay, good. Um, uh, okay, so uh, the earliest thing that could be tangentially linked to Mario in any way, Ball. Is Ball the first Game & Watch? Yes, it is. Yes. 1980. Yeah. Ball was remade with Mario. Uh, multiple times was it? So was it in a Nintendo fun? It was a Nintendo giveaway. 
Oh, that that's the one I'm thinking of. Okay, yeah. Anyway, so Ball is tangentially linked to Mario, and that's from 1980. So the first air of Mario that you can get is the Ball Game & Watch. So everyone should be going buying that. Yeah. And uh, if you haven't seen it, um, there's a couple collectibles you can still go get. Super hot right now. There's that new Mario Game & Watch released a year ago that stopped being sold unless you walk into any Target in the world. <laughs> uh, and... You know, the new Mario All-Star Collection. Uh, first first Mario compilation on the Super Nintendo, unless you count Donkey Kong Classics as being a compilation. Who knows? Uh, yeah, anyways, the uh, Switch one, super hot collectible that one day will be worth thousands that you should go out and get now while you still can. Make sure you pay at least $100. <laughs> not, Do not pay any advice. less. Yeah, not real advice. Do not take that. All Someone's right. listening to this in like 2075, and they're like, $100, I wish those were the days. Uh, yeah, those guys, they had it good. Um, <laughs> hey, I, I learned a new Mario fun fact just now, reading internet stuff. Okay. There was a, uh, in, in 1989, there was a Super Mario Brothers at the Ice Capades. Uh, this is on YouTube. The whole thing is on YouTube. And uh, it is starring in like these live action segment cutaways. Uh, starring Jason Bateman and Alyssa Milano. That is a, kind of amazing. It is kind of amazing. I, I will link it in our chat. But also, it's, uh, yeah, it's I Super can't Mario Brothers. I that. Is there like a collector's cup from that event? Shut that up. So, uh, I, yes, yes. It was speaking just a cool of, thing. <laughs> speaking of collector's cups, there's a very collectible Super Mario 2 cup you can buy. It's a big old mug. It's gigantic, and you might see it in some people's collection. Uh, it is something I owned as a kid and had with me as I watched the Super Mario Super Show and... Uh, well, that was fine. What I was really there for was the uh, Zelda episodes and all of the excuse me princesses I could get. So, anyways, go find that mug. It's awesome. It's big and it's glass and you've seen it before. But is it the first mug? Yes. Oh, well, all right. So, it is collectible. It's a cup. You can buy it. You asked. I delivered. All right, is All that right. is that that's that's Mario? That's what we got. Just a, a cool hour and a half. I don't even know. Like this episode makes no that sense. Every, I have no idea how much every we Mario, about Mario product ever made. That's every Mario product ever made. Yep. No. Um, Mario Pinball Land is that the first Mario pinball game where Mario is the pinball? I mean, that's that's a. Key I mean, run. it's Mario. clearly it's a sequel to Pinball. Mario Pinball, first Mario Pinball with Land in the title. Oh, is Mario Pinball Land a, a Super Mario? Is part of the Super Mario Land series? Mm. Sure, that's what we landed on. Yeah. I gotta put in a, a bell sound effect right there. All right, bye. Sorry. <laughs> no, we have we have collectors questions, Shit. and we gotta go to the other part of the show. All right, we gotta do Sorry. some collectors. Que- I was I was trying to figure out a way we. Could I was make- just trying it on for size, Johnny. I was just trying it on uh, for size. Okay. Yeah, I mean, do you want to do the buy this episode? Do you think people will be okay with that? I don't know. Do you want to give it a shot? I'm sorry, yeah, what? I do. I do. Okay. All right. You can do it. Now I'm nervous. Time. All right. Don't f*** it up. Okay. But we still got more more to do. So I'll, you have I'll, more I'll to do. To, um, I'll try to get less nervous. Yeah. So uh, seriously, guys, go Google that mug. You can see it. Like, You can find... Co- they are like $70. It's like a collectible mug, and they are gigantic. They are not like a reasonable. Yeah, they're mug. like a Stein. Yeah, like, and I had one of these as a kid, and they are probably from around 1989. Is that when Mario Two came out? Because 
there was something about 1989 Mario was popping off. Uh, yes. Yeah, I mean, I think you can find uh, okay ones for like the thirty dollar range, but then like shipping's a nightmare. But and then as high as like seventy dollars. So, but they are pretty hardy. They like that's why so many of them are still available because they are thick. Thick. I would feel T H I C C and also T H I C K. I'll be too scared to break my mug. If I had a $70 mug, Johnny, and I won't, I don't want to drink coffee out of an ugly $30 mug. Cause then I would be so, like, Oh gross. This is an ugly well, mug. And then people would know that you're poor. Uh, as the, no, as the I, I mean, issue. it's just, it's conditioned and shipping dependent. You can find like an, okay. Like if you find one locally, you can probably get it for like 30 bucks, 30, like, 40 bucks. I like nice, shiny, clear mugs actually. Okay. It's so a... if you really want to buy expensive mugs that are like, you wouldn't think are collectible, you can buy the Starbucks. You are here. Disney mugs, which, uh, if you don't know what those are, Starbucks has a whole line of, uh, you are here. And then they like kind of change the name. These mugs that if you go to any state, the state has like its own mug and some cities have their own sure mug do. and countries. They usually like the art is like, it's pretty minimalist art style. Uh, I like them a lot. That's like a good size mug. It's pretty hardy. But if you get the ones specifically from Disneyland or Disney World and they've had multiple iterations where they change it, like the earlier mugs that are all discontinued now, pretty pricey. Like Yeah, I, the relief mugs. I love yeah, those mugs. Yeah, I've got like a couple of mugs downstairs that we use on a daily basis that are like over a hundred dollars, and I'm just like, well, if we ever break one of these, I'm never buying another one because that's ridiculous. Heather and I he wanted to buy back when they had the relief the relief mugs, and when I say relief mugs, they were they basically they're they're the you, you are here series, but like they're in, uh, embossed or whatever, like they're three D ish, right? And uh, we were gonna try to collect all of them. Except that there are, because they would not just do like, you know, states or, or larger territories. Like there's not a China mug. There is like 50 or 60 different China mugs because it's like for each, each province. Right. Um, and so once we realized how many, some, how many of the international territories had like 20 plus different mugs, we were, we, we kind of lost steam for that. Yeah. So what you got to do is just keep it to the Disney ones and then you'd be okay. And then make sure you get the one with the purple monorail. They had to change the color of it for Epcot because it was right after a tragedy where someone died uh, mm. on the on that monorail. So and they then they, purple. yep. So they changed the color. I know I'm just agreeing with your nonsense stuff. Um, <laughs> just in case anyone thinks you slipped that one past me, I uh, like you can buy these mugs. With, like, if you want to spend $150, you can get it with the purple monorail, but then they re-released it later, now you can get it for, like, $35. Um, go check them out. There, There's a lot of a lot of things going on. And they keep changing the mugs. They they update them every so often, so... Yeah, I'm uh, not crazy about you the like new ones. Some of them are really good. Some of them are really poor. The they also have them so for... Uh, they, they have them... Like in for Disneyland Paris and Tokyo, you can. Uh, my wife and I's going thing is whenever we go somewhere, we get a mug uh, that's yep. like our stock souvenir because you, you can get them from anywhere. And uh, the one I'm sad, my one from Paris because it's got like an X Wing on it. Um, it it looks like it's fine, but it there's something in the seal is wrong because it will just slowly leak from the bottom. 
which makes me sad. I also have a good one with uh, the Haunted Mansion. I'm cutting all of this. I don't know what is happening. I feel bad interrupting <laughs> you guys. I try to keep, like this, I know people are going to want to listen to this show because people are into Mario right now and they're listening to you talk about your Starbucks mugs collection. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what the f- is happening right now? <laughs> We're not in After Dark. This is just, this is the podcast about video games. Why are you such a sassy Sally today? I'm. It's my brand, Johnny. Um, <laughs> it is kind of his brand. Do you want to move on to collector's questions, Johnny? I do. I was trying is to get there earlier. Are there any like, questions about mugs? Yeah. There's not. Um, okay. Benny G asks, what are some of y'all's favorite bands and musicians? Is listening to music a part of anyone's life? How about concerts? Love the podcast, guys. I've never listened to music in my life. Music sucks. I'm not for it. <laughs> I am <laughs> not for it. I'm not for I just disagree with I you. I am against. I am not for. I am against. All right. Next question, uh, then. Um, yeah. oh, no, we, <laughs> Tyler likes Will Smith. Um, I do like Will Smith. Yeah. Why don't it's you go favorite. first, Tyler? Uh, I, my, I, my, my life is listening to like Iron Maiden and Bruce Dickinson, um, which is all I've listened to since high school. And I've overplayed every song or every song is overplayed. So I just listen to a song. and I'm like, I don't feel like listening to this right now. And then I skip five songs and then I put on a podcast. So yeah. what, what is the newest song you own? <laughs> oh, no, de- like Iron Maiden still makes music, so it would be their latest album. What are you playing on your Victrola? So, like, the newest song you have is an Iron Maiden, like, that's it. Like, how many, like, if we went and looked at your thing, do you have, like, a lot of different bands on, on your list? Like, what do you got? Iron Maiden, The Offspring, those are the only two I could think of. I've got some, you, uh... Wait, you can think of only Iron Maiden and The Offspring as your musical catalog? Uh, <laughs> well, Bruce Dickinson's solo career is also excellent. Okay, uh, which offspring album tyler i well there's only three good ask. ones johnny um americana okay, that's stretching it <laughs> what i said that's that's stretching it Go uh, ahead. Uh, americana ixnay on the hombre and conspiracy of one which Did you say uh, hombre uh, hombre i don't fucking white person god damn it um <laughs> hello hombres. i don't know ha- hombre <laughs> I don't think that's a beloved era of the offspring, but I, I don't really know. I don't talk to people about music. I don't know. I, I like I like Nightwish, like Slayer, like Nas, Michael Jackson. What do so you want? You you go from Jurassic Slayer Five to Nas. Uh, yeah. Like, is Rain in Hell in your top list, or like, what? How, how are you feeling about Rain in Hell? Yeah, Rain in Hell's great. I think I've I've only got seasons uh, seasons in the abyss in my car right now. Wait, do you? Oh, that's right. You don't have a modern phone, so you don't just have all of your songs with you when you drive places. Uh, no, I've got a. I've got a, My car is very modern. It accepts a little USB drive, Johnny, for his iPod Nano. Because it's not like I have my phone. Yes, for my <laughs> iPod Nano, exactly. There's so I don't. Are this just uh, talk about this. <laughs> uh, we should just turn this question into a podcast. <laughs> I don't. I thought this was going to be a two-second question. You guys are like, well, uh, well, listen, well you can't well, just listen to one. Well, band, we want to know about you, Tyler. Yeah, we're exploring you. People should know what a weirdo yeah. you are. Like, what's the best Offspring song, and why is it? Johnny, you gotta keep I don't think we need this question for people. That's to not know even what the name of the song. <laughs> I know. That's why I said it to you. <laughs> Isn't that come out and play? Yes, it is. Oh man, and it's, and it's actually a, a pretty topical song if you listen to the words. But it doesn't matter. Tyler, is it their best song? Uh, no, I, I like I don't I like all I want from from Crazy Taxi. That's pretty good. 
From Crazy Taxi. <laughs> you know, from Crazy Taxi? Yeah, you know, from Crazy Taxi. Right. So that, that's the one. Um, way down the line. All right. All right. So <laughs> that's Tyler's weirdo music list. Uh, we call it, uh, the playlist is uh, Music for Serial Killers. You can find it on Ty- <laughs> Tyler's USB stick. <laughs> correct it's not even you can't even make a spotify playlist you old f-ing man what is wrong with you <laughs> Stefan? go what what about you what do you got musically are you a weirdo uh, so in it in it first of all i i could listen to 90s alternative pretty much all day like any anything i know i know johnny hates that i listen to k-rock on the radio yes because uh, one it's a horrible company Two, it helped destroy music, and all they play is songs. It's not like an alternative like rock station from the 90s. It considers itself a rock station. And they're like, hey, guys, uh, have you uh, heard of this band Nirvana? They're current. Let's play them. What about Sublime? Yeah, you guys like them, right? Let's play those back-to-back all day long. Um. My taste, like when I when I specifically choose to listen to the radio, you listen to the radio (laughs) in your car. You're you're talking to me about my USB stick. He listens to the radio. I know. What is it? 1909. (laughs) Yeah, dude, we're we're driving to a show and it's like eight seven 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 cars for kids. I'm like, why am I hearing the radio commercial? (laughs) Well, I could have got a lemon. I'm like, holy. I left this behind in 2003 and never looked back. Why are you doing this to me, Stefan? And he's like, oh, K-Rock plays some good jams, Johnny. Listen to this current music. You might enjoy it, fella. It's awful. Uh, so, aside from my taste in radio play, um, when I choose to listen to things, um, I have kind of, at different stages in my life, been in very different places and sort of built this kind of odd cross-section of things that i enjoy like uh one of my favorite bands is kmfdm a german industrial band which is not necessarily outside of that band something that i listen to like i'm not like real into industrial music but i love kmfdm um similarly though i mean there are a couple bands that i guess you could probably say are comparative like i listen to a lot of nine snails i listen to a lot of tool um Green Day is actually probably one of my favorite bands of all time. It was the first, uh, Dookie was the first CD I think I bought ever. Oh, you know what? No, actually, I think it was the Lion King soundtrack. But the first, the first, uh, not soundtrack, uh, CD I ever bought was, uh, was Dookie. Uh, let's see what else? Uh, current, uh, favorite band is probably Cake. I like Cake an awful lot. I've seen them a bunch of times. Um, I've been listening to a lot of She Wants Revenge. Uh, recently, so I know not a super topical band, but uh, yeah, that's uh, that's my musical taste. But Johnny, tell me about what the perfect music taste is. What's your music taste? Oh no, uh, it, it's not. It no no, my music taste is incorrect because I largely don't listen to music. I I pick up music in the background of things. Oh, like on KMFDM like, or whatever your radio station is. K Rock, yeah, yeah, K R O Q. K rock in the morning. Yeah, it's awful. So my musical taste is all over. If you talk to Johnny as a uh, as a child, I didn't listen to music. Like music wasn't really in our house, so it wasn't a thing. We liked the Beach Boys. Uh, that's and the Beatles. Um, and it wasn't really for any good reason. My parents also liked uh, like doo-wop quite a bit. So they were into they were into that. Like they were 
really into that era of music. Uh, Lots of K-Earth in your house? Yeah, K- a lot of K-Earth um, when they listen to it. But also the Beach Boys, uh, the drummer for the Beach Boys at the time lived close to uh, where my grandparents lived. So we always just kind of listen to them. Also, it's Southern California and the Beach Boys are kind of a thing. So we, that was like a thing. And the Beatles are the Beatles. So that was like child Johnny music, uh, that and like some weird foreigner tape I had. So my first tape was uh foreigner. And, uh, then the one I bought was MC hammer. So that was exciting. So I had that and, um, beastie boys licensed to ill. Those are my three first tapes. So, uh, and I got them Johnny- all at a very similar time. Yeah. Do you remember your first tape that you wore out? Yeah, licensed still. <laughs> you know what mine was? What? The the Simpsons album. Do you remember yeah. when they did the one that had like do the Bartman on it and all that? Yeah, yeah. Wore That's that first. Wore that tape out. Yeah, but even so, even as a child, wasn't super into music except for the Beastie Boys. I was super into that, and then like CDs. My first CD is uh, pretty embarrassing. It was uh, Mariah Carey. I did not. I didn't ask for that CD. I was given it, but I had a CD player, so I wanted to play it. So I wound up listening to Mariah Carey uh, quite a few times because I only owned the one CD and it did not have a tape deck. It was just a CD player, which was kind of weird. But um, after that, that's like me at uh, 11 and 12. But uh, yeah, I started to get really into Black Sabbath and Metallica, and then it's the 90s as well. So uh, Nirvana was was and is still one of my favorite bands. I wasn't so much a Pearl Jam guy, but I did like Soundgarden quite a bit. A lot of that alt rock stuff, uh, mm. some Megadeth, some some of the uh, uh, metal that Tyler was talking about, Slayer. Like all that was kind of okay, but eh, it was fine. I got like pretty into White Zombie for a while. Uh, yeah, that was kind of like young me. Like I wanted hard, angry metal and Nirvana and, you know, just angry songs because I was so angry. Uh, and then, you know, I just kind of branched out. Now it's like whatever I find that catches a beat, like you might find, uh, you know, not that I think she's great or anything, but you could find uh, Kesha on my phone. You know, you could find Kelly Clarkson on my phone, Sabrina Carpenter, uh, Ingrid Mickelson. You might find all kinds of people. You might find some Gwen Stefani in there. Uh, Marina and the Diamonds, some Sia. Like, I'm you, sorry. So with all, all this, how is, how is Mariah Carey embarrassing? Uh, five-time Grammy Award winner Mariah Carey. Well, like when you when you're talking about like a 13 or like a 12 year old boy, like your first CD, you don't think of uh, Mariah Carey. I My first CD was Backstreet Boys, Back in Black, Johnny. I mean, that's pretty fine. A lot <laughs> I, of people. I my feel less bad about my Lion King soundtrack. <laughs> Kyle Collects asks, a lot of comparisons have been made lately in this community between comic collecting and video game collecting uh, and where video games are going. I find these discussions interesting, so I'm asking this. If you guys could prevent video game collecting from following one trend of comic collecting, what would it be? So, uh, mine's easy. Um, Well, I mean, there's like the, the... rampant speculation in comics like it's not like oh i'm buying ps2 M- horror game. mondays yeah. multiple mondays <laughs> is the only answer <laughs> no, that's not even it so there is there's the, the rampant speculation like there are people who are like ps2 horror games are going to go up i'm going to buy all the ps2 horror games in comics from what i can tell you're like 
Spider-Man issue 358 is going up. I'm going to buy 75 copies of Spider-Man issue 358, which that's just a random number. But the the amount of multiples you buy in comics is just crazy, it seems like. Uh, so how is that not me what what I just said? Stefan, do you understand? No, that? no, I, that's not I, that's not my answer. My answer is uh the most collectible things in comics are these slabbed books that you don't read and like when you think of golden age books like i could tell you i could think of the the first appearance of captain america and the only thing that comes to my brain is the cover or whatever and like i'm not even a comic guy it seems like there's a in the comic people that we're talking about the predominant way to collect is to collect these slabbed books and I don't know. There's no way for me to to say the answer without gatekeeping. Like it's almost like the contents of the comics don't matter and it's just like that people collect like a book and they're like, "Oh, it has a great cover." Because I don't know anything that goes on in the issue besides that on the slab it says it's the first appearance of so and so. And so much of that is that like the comic doesn't matter. It's just like some historical tidbit is all that comic collecting is or you know, some cool cover or something like that and the actual contents don't matter. All right, Stefan, do you have a different answer than that? What do you, what do you got? Yeah, because I wanted something that wasn't intrinsically uh, linked to grading because I figured that was going to come up from someone else. Um, and this is one that I, they, that, uh, that I've been, I think this is more in the spirit of the question where they were asking something that you could prevent. Uh, and I took that to mean something that was not already true. Um, and uh, so uh, I would really not... like games do it a little bit with with in, intentional like collectible variants um comics do it a lot um every 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 issue of anything especially publishers like idw you see like oh yeah uh you know there'll be like basically idw allows like any retailer basically anyone with enough money um can make a variant cover for a comic so for for these bigger uh comic releases it's like events um you'll see like oh this so-and-so retailer will have a uh you know their their variant comic uh cover and if you want it you have to buy it and they only made you know you have to buy it from them and they only made like a thousand um in fact it got so bad there was a um (laughs) there was a godzilla cover that idw did and they did they had so many so basically they did a, a a retailer incentive where it was godzilla's foot on the cover and so basically you could pay to have a cover variant for your comic store so like the co- the, the the comic store owners would would pay to have godzilla's foot crushing a picture of their comic book store uh they had so many of those that they actually put out a book of just those covers um and so like that's a trend that like i understand yes like video games do do variant covers but like i would never want it to be like so rampant that like it would just be like impossible for you to get every variant of of a game that would that would not make me happy at all i say it modern collectors limited run games all this nonsense i want to get as crazy as possible because there's no reason something should be collectible just because it exists you could just ignore it and people need to learn to just ignore crap like that they don't have to collect everything no you gotta get it all uh, and I already said my answer. It's it's multiple Mondays. I just it encourages the worst impulses of the community, uh, and everything else springs from some of those ideas and impulses. So that's my there's, answer. 
It's so in relation to the the multiple comics thing. It's not just that people are like, "Oh, this is a this is a good investment." I think that whatever this version of Super Mario Brothers two is going to be worth twice as much in so and so time. I should buy as many of these. Fine. It's like the the masturbatory posting about it, and everyone's like self congratulating each other on like, "Oh man, everyone's going to make so much money." It's it's a weird attitude about it but i don't yeah, know it's it's just not good. it's not for me um those are those are two questions that took like what a fucking half hour so yeah <laughs> what, so are that's playing? Good. what are you playing guys I'll, I'll go first because uh mine's really short all right i have not got anything in i have bought stuff but it's not in yet so doesn't count yet i will tell you the bad news guys uh i went i, I told you about it on the last episode my my ghoul patrol, not ghoul patrol. Um, man, my brain just failed me. Zombies? I bought uh, no. Oh. Uh, well, you said ghoul patrol, sorry. I know. I bought. Uh, it's a it's a gun game, and I'm my brain is not there. Ghoul panic. Ghoul panic. There we go. Ghoul panic. Anyways, it's a Namco gun game uh, that was released in Europe. Anyways, I went to have it shipped in my shipment, and they're like. Oh, hold on. That's a dangerous item. We can't ship a gun. So we're in talks right now on how to have my forwarder on how to get me this item. And I think what's going to happen is they're going to have to take the gun out of the box and throw it away, which isn't really a big deal. Um, uh, you know, what are you going to do? Um, I would, I'll, I'll still accept the box without the gun. So just, uh, I think that's what we're going to have to get to. I'm a little annoyed, but they're like talking about like, we may have to destroy it. And I'm like, what? (laughs) So this is, so when we talk about why the max gun for the super Nintendo might be difficult, uh, just imagine that my Namco gun, they labeled as dangerous. So imagine trying to ship a, uh, something that looks like the gun that isn't an M16, but a takeoff of the M16. Anyways, uh, so yeah, nothing's arrived yet, and I've only played uh, a small amount more of Mass Effect. I cleared one more planet and got some ore, and that was like really what I've done on Mass Effect uh, since last we talked. Not a lot. It's been very busy on in other aspects of my life. So that's it. Uh, I got, I think, like one game in the mail. I got the TRS-80 release of Microsoft Adventure and I already got both PC variants. It is the first IBM PC game that was ever released commercially. Uh, the first version of it, though, was the TRS-80 version of it. It's the first commercial home port of Colossal Cave Adventure. It's the first game Microsoft ever published. It's the second computer game to ever come in a box instead of a baggie. Yeah, it is. It's a cool game to own. And then it's got a cool cover, too. Oh my god, it's got like this horrible like lizard thing. Like I is it supposed to be a dragon, but it it's something. Uh Stefan probably knows who drew it because it's signed. Stefan, have you seen the cover of Microsoft Adventure? No. Alright. Well, it's got a cool lizard dragon that looks really dumb. It so it's illustrated art. I'll paint a word picture. It looks like someone took an iguana and glued wings on it and then used camera perspective tricks to make the people next to it look small. But it's an illustration, so it doesn't need to have like this cheap B-movie look. It could just look like a dragon. So I don't know why it looks like that. Oh, I've seen this before. Yeah, you should go uh, mm. You should go get it. You guys have Microsoft Adventure, right? Everyone is into the history of Microsoft games. 
Nope. TRS-80. Nope. Um, Johnny, I've got the perfect game for you. I, bl- I okay. brought it up on one or two shows ago. So they've there's a team of people that have recreated the physics of Super Monkey Ball. So there are... There are Super Monkey Ball clones that get like. Haven't 80- I talked enough about monkeys today? So hold on, I'm getting there. There are Super Monkey Ball clones. One's called like Paper Ball on Steam. It gets like 80, 85 percent of the way to feeling like Monkey Ball, which just makes it feel like the biggest ripoff game. Like everything just feels wrong because you only feel the 15 percent that doesn't feel exactly like Super Monkey Ball. So uh, this game rolled out. It's it's like 99 percent the same physics as Super Monkey Ball. It feels amazing and johnny the default character is a rat it's not a monkey so you can play monkey ball with a rat does it sound appealing now no i i don't know how to please you so anyway i can tell you later in the after dark portion of this show okay you don't like rats either you just don't love any animals the level design do, is love, not as I good as Super animals. Monkey Ball. No, I also I just don't enjoy that type of game. So it's the, the, like I don't I also don't like Marble Madness or anything. So oh, all right. Someone I was like I was saying like Marble Madness last episode, and then I like quickly had to backtrack it because I actually do like Marble Madness, and you actually don't like Marble Madness, huh? It's it's not it's just it's fine. Like I've played a bunch of them, and I've played some Monkey Ball. Like they're okay, but that's not. It's not the kind I like narrative gaming, so I want a story, and the stories provided in those are a little weak. And if I want just a platformer, I'm probably playing like a Mario. So, and that game lives in some other space, which is like a skill tester, like building a weird skill. And I just doesn't do it. It's not like awful or anything. I just it's not really for me. All right. Well, I tried, um, and I totally misunderstood why you didn't uh, like Monkey Ball because I just thought you had this really weird thing about monkeys i mean i that does like that is the worst part of it um (laughs) like also like marble madness playing it like with nintendo controllers was kind of awful uh playing with the trackball was interesting i've seen people who competitively play marble madness and if you have not had the opportunity to watch people competitively play marble madness and the way they use that ball it is crazy. It's not like anything. You're like over there, like trying to manipulate it all slowly. And they're out there just like, it's a workout watching them. Like, it's crazy. Go watch it. Go check a YouTube video of competitive Marvel madness. It's, it's pretty awesome. Uh, I believe the NES high score world record holder uh, for Marvel madness is on video game Sage. It's MBD 39 world record, baby in score, but everyone plays it for time. So I don't know who cares. Stefan, just tell us, like, what did you buy? Like, did you buy Nintendo? What's going on? Yeah, just tell us the one of one <laughs> giant thing you bought. Go ahead. I actually bought some video games. You guys want to hear Why? about the video games Fuck I bought? I <laughs> no, you didn't. <laughs> I did. I, I bought a bunch, actually. I've been picking up. I, I told you I had interest in buying the international big box uh, Super Nintendo games, and I have been buying those. A few of them have gotten here by now. Um, and that's the. Why didn't you just go to the freight forwarder? You're a crazy man. Anyways, go ahead. Anyway, um, Secret of Evermore came in, um, and Super Mario World Two came in. Oh, and the um, uh, the Mario and Wario um mouse for the Super Famicom came in. Um, what else did I buy? Oh, uh, I got really wait. Mario and Wario was released in Europe. I didn't even know that. No, in Japan. Oh, but it's a big, but it's a big box. Okay, 
international big box. Um, I got real jealous of Tyler's uh, the machine gun. Uh, T- Tyler posted on on Instagram. He found the the gun that they had made that they modeled the BFG nine thousand off of, and I got jealous and I looked on eBay and there one was, so I bought one. So, so have even that when you're not on Collector's Quest, Tyler is making you buy games. It's true. Already, I was like seventy five percent of the way to buying the one that Stefan was buying because it was like two thirds the price of mine, and it was a different variant. And I'm like, I I could own two. Why not? <laughs> Uh, I bought a sealed, uh, sealed in its baggy uh, Illusion of Gaia shirt because I'm a sucker for <laughs> Illusion of Gaia shirts when they're in nice condition because it's my favorite shirt. So I have like six of them now. Um, and that's that's the one thing that I'm hoarding. When Illusion of Gaia t-shirts become like the next big thing, I'm set. I'm 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 set to retire off my Illusion of Gaia t-shirt collection. Um, uh, the big things, though, were I bought a, uh, a my fifth World of Nintendo cabinet, um, and uh, and a Star Fox statue, which is in the best condition that I've ever seen one, uh, and it's, it's very, very, very pretty. Um, so those are, that's, that was those were my big purchases. That's it. Just a World Nintendo cabinet, Star Fox statue. Like, the t-shirt's like a minor thing at this point. It's like, oh, no, another Illusion of Guy t-shirt. That Star Fox statue is pretty nice. Um, it's really nice, yeah. I know you like Star Fox, so I'm happy you have that. Yeah. To put next to your five World of Nintendo cabinets. <laughs> uh, I have been playing. Uh, they just released the, the newest content patch for War, uh, World of Warcraft, so I've been playing a lot of that. Uh, also been playing, I think I already said the last time, I've been playing Among Us with my coworkers. So that's that's a thing that I've been doing kind of a lot of. Oh, and uh, actually, I have a coworker that uh, has been playing EverQuest on Project Ninety Nine, and I uh, spun up a, a a character on there and have been messing around with that too. So fun EverQuest stuff. Woo! Everyone can relate because yeah. it's nineteen ninety eight right now. Shut up, RuneScape app. I'm still playing RuneScape. I had my uh, I just passed my calendar notification to cancel my subscription. Did not cancel. We're on month two right now, baby. We're gonna see how long we can we can keep this addiction you rolling this stop. time. You should stop this. Um, all right. Do we have anything else left? Any other things you want to throw out? No. Tyler or Stefan? Uh, uh, yeah, I actually, got... I do. Okay, go. Uh, so it in better September, not be a plug for somebody else's thing. I am tired of not getting plugged and you plugging other people. You won't even promote this podcast on your damn channel. You better not. Do. <laughs> Don't do it. I do. I do promote this on, on. No, you have not posted a promo on your Instagram for any of our episodes in a very long time, Stefan, or no, on your I, Twitter. I, I link it on all my YouTube videos. Um, Which don't happen that frequently. That's that's fair. That should happen more. Do you not? Um, are you plugging someone? No, I'm plugging myself. Nope. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> what what uh, do you got going on? I mean, I, I kind of um, have to, because it's, it's a show. It's actually my first show coming out of COVID, which I'm really excited about. But uh, the first Art of Nintendo Power um, art show to actually the first Art of Nintendo Power art show, because the first ones were going to happen and then COVID happened. Um, so it's going to be uh, Sunday, September 12th at the Megabit Game Expo uh, in Simi Valley, California, where I live. Woo! Yeah. When, so, when is this? Uh, September 12th. Oh, I it's can just, walk around. I can walk around it? I can go to the thing? You can, yeah. I, I want to go to there. It's a, and, it, uh, and it's in my hometown? Yep. 
It's at the um the oh god what's the uh, the Grand Vista Hotel over by the um that f-ing strip mall that no one goes to. Um, the Grand Vista Hotel. Yeah. Where's it's right off, it, of, off of first off of so my, like for, wait on first street yeah, so, or on so you get off on, you get off on first right coming from my house you get off on first and instead of making okay. a turn either direction you just go straight. Oh oh yeah 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 um it's right past the Del Taco and the glasses place. Yeah, yeah. Or they used to make glasses, but yeah. yeah, and, yeah. The, and the big, like, there, I think there's like a medical building there too. Yeah, there's, uh, there used to be a club there called like Splash and might still be still be in the lobby of that hotel. Okay, oddly yeah, enough, yeah. oddly enough, also in Simi Valley, there's a Grand Vista Motel, which yeah. I did not know of. It's about. on Madeira, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so you're not going to the motel, you're going to the hotel. But it's, uh, so it's a one day, little one day show, which actually is perfect for me because it, this is my first show. So uh, it being so close and just being one day, like I can just kind of set it up and, and I'm really excited cause I could do like photos and promo and stuff like that for, for art and Nintendo power. Um, and, uh, so also, um, related to that, uh, and this is something that I've finally able to announce, but my, uh, my corporation, the, um, interactive art collection has finally gotten, 501c3 nonprofit status. So uh, I am now a nonprofit entity, um, which is something that I've been working on for a very, very long time. Uh, the IRS is not very fast. Um, so uh, the actual physical art for at least now still is owned by me, um, but the interactive art collection will have it on loan. And uh, if you do want, you know, any donations that we do get um, will go to things like putting on shows and travel and you know basically getting me to these shows so i don't want people to think that they're donating money to me to to buy art because that's not true i'm still self-funding the entire art collection but um but if you want to help me out with things like travel and framing and that kind of stuff that that is not related to the art but still is valuable for me to be able to get out to show you the art um that's what the foundation is really for so uh so yeah i'm really excited uh to be able to start doing stuff with that too so that's that's what i got going on i bought a few things and i started a nonprofit. <laughs> so does that mean you can now buy things on ebay you can file that and not be taxed i could um, but then whatever I would buy would be owned by the foundation and not me. That's really yeah. the only thing. Um, and just like, just cause I know people are curious. Um, people could theoretically donate actual art and I could act and, and the foundation could give a, um, a tax write off for that. Uh, it would just need to be appraised by an actual, like a heritage or like an actual, uh, an actual auction house or an actual appraiser. Um, and I could give them the value for that. However, um, the person donating the art cannot be the artist because the IRS basically doesn't want artists to be able to write infinite tax write-offs for themselves by just generating art and donating it. So a collector or uh, any sort of third party uh, could theoretically donate art to the foundation. It would just be owned by the foundation and not by me. Um, so that if something happened to it, then uh, legally the only thing that I could do with that asset would be to donate to, to another 501c3, like a museum or or the government. Um, but uh, but yeah, so I'm not I'm I don't want people to think that like I'm just gonna like go and like start writing you know getting piles of art by just like throwing out um, tax write offs. It's it's a little bit more complicated like uh, than that. And so uh, so yeah, that's. That's all I got to say about the nonprofit. 
All right. So I are think you, that does. Well, go oh, ahead. I was gonna. Are you a museum curator right now? What's what's going on? Are yeah, we, I'm. So so technically, the I am I am a nonprofit museum. Are you the curator? Do you have a title in this museum? Uh, executive director. Ooh. We got a fancy boy on the podcast. I'm so excited. I mean, he's already he was already a fancy lad. I um, mean. <laughs> Executive director, I mean, of what, though? Like, you know what I mean? Like, Of the stuff you have, Stefan, that's on loan from you. <laughs> yes. All right. So, Tyler, any more nope. interjections? Stefan? Dying to end it. Okay. I, you're dying to end it. <laughs> Thanks for making the show seem so valuable and like you enjoy being here, Tyler. As always, you are a gift. Um, <laughs> Johnny, I got about I will... 30 more minutes than me of, uh, about mugs, if you want to. Okay, going. so excellent. Uh, I'm going to throw <laughs> this out. Uh, if you don't have Disney Plus, uh, I don't know how this is available to you. Maybe you can buy it. I'm not sure. But uh, Luca was released not so long ago, and it uh, it was delightful and enjoyable. And, uh, you know, it's, it's nice to see uh, delightful, enjoyable family movies where the stakes are pretty low. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's not stressful. It's, uh, it's pretty pretty easy thing to to consume so uh lucas parents don't die in the first five minutes no no there's not like an immediate tragedy <laughs> there's not like it, the, the stakes aren't like world ending you know it, it, it's it's pretty light fare and i was surprised that pixar released it uh that way and uh it's on theme i know tyler's like how is this on theme because they're on the like the southern coast of italy right so we're back to that italian thing yep so uh, if you haven't watched it uh and you're you're like like what is this weird thing with like sea monsters it is actually like pretty enjoyable so um i was hesitant to watch it but you know i got a small child so i'll throw anything in front of him if i think it'll stop him for 30 seconds uh, and that one did, he actually like really enjoyed it. So my wife and I and him all sat down and watched it. It was amazing that like my joy for it could be that I got to sit down for 30 minutes. That might be it. Uh, I'm not sure, but, uh, I found it very enjoyable overall. So that's my parting show recommendation and we're going to close out the show and Stefan is going to do it. All right, Stefan, are you ready? Are we going to do uh, where they can find us? Oh yeah. Well, I guess we should do that. Sorry. We should. Where, where can we find you? Stefan, go. Uh, on Instagram, Art of Nintendo Power with underscores between all that, um, or on Twitter at Art of NP. You can also just Google Art of Nintendo Power. You'll find me. Um, yeah, that's where you can find me, Tyler. I'm default gen, default G E N. I'm on Video Game Sage and Instagram. And you can find me on Instagram uh, mainly, and on our Patreon. The Patreon again is Collectors Quest, or is Patreon.com/slash Collectors Quest. You can join for as little as two dollars. I, I know you guys love that plug. Um, sorry, it's it's a great place to hang out. A lot of good people there. So if you enjoy the kind of stuff we talk about, and if you enjoy a bunch of those side rambling we do, then definitely get to the Patreon. A uh, bunch of knowledgeable people and all of that stuff. I'm Johnny underscore Ayuchi on Instagram, and uh, just Johnny there, and I'm Video Game Sage. So come find me. And that's it for our show. And to close it out, Stefan. Bye. That is our show. Do I have any corrections? Uh, in Arcade Express, we didn't mention, so there actually is a paragraph that Donkey Kong Atari 2600 
was released in late July. It's not just the newspaper ads, so there is additional evidence that's from late July. Also, just huge shout out to RandomTerrain.com, an Atari collector who has done serious research into getting the most specific Atari release dates possible by looking at primary sources like newspaper ads when they start appearing, or like newsletters that talk about the game's release date. Atari collectors, I think you guys are the greatest. You are the most serious collectors. No matter how much people want to think NES is the end-all be-all of collecting, I see you and all the documentation you do and all the research you do. You guys are amazing. Also, we made a joke. Ball Game & Watch is like the earliest thing that can be tangentially related to Mario, even though it's not related to Mario. But yes, Mario is on current Nintendo Hanafuda cards, so if you go back to 19th century Nintendo Hanafuda cards, that will be the earliest thing that you could tangentially relate to Mario. Anyway, thank you to the patrons, Richard Patron number one, Bowden, Canadian Variant Alert, Chris Glidden, The Willennium, Will Joe, Nintendo World Champion, Daniel Jaxvik, High End Collector, Andrew Brim, 50 Hertz is good enough for me, Andre, Wada 9.8, A++, Benji, Brian Gupta, and Pocky and Rocky with Becky, Mint Condition, Brian J. Mora, Sophisticated Investor, Cartmageddon, Fat Cat Collector, Chris Jackson, Chris, SNK, Too Many NES Accessories, Morozek, Johnny's GBA Hookup, Coffee with Mr. Saturn, Playing with Power, Connor Strange, The Last Game You Need for the Set, Corey O'Brien, Unpunched Hangtab, Dustin Beagle, Man of Nintendo in the World of Nintendo, Funky Brewsta, The Actual Shinobi, Jasonic the Kid, Jeff the Game Boy, Ferris, Lance, Lord Hardstyle Z, The Degenerate, Matt Fall, Uncle Land employee, platform agnostic, the Famicom Box retro game enthusiast, Sean, the Gamer Collective, previously unknown variant, Tim Walker, can't put limits on collecting, VG Collectaholic, keeper of the Zelda variants, Zero X Def Code Big Fan, getting the full PS2 set because Stefan won't, all caps, the official seal of quality, Andy Gill Selector. The Actually Rare, Bird Dog Gaming, Brandon Rogers, whose favorite episode is the wrestling episode, The Strictly Limited Super Rare, Bruno, still finding deals in 2021, Colton Murphy, David Green, he's got that on vinyl, Derek Lauer, who made me edit this show, Don Libby, the hero of time, Jeremy Jarvis, here for the Pog Talk, Jim Jacobs, world record holder of best collection, Red Pyramid Thing, Jonathan Shados, Video Game Art Collector, because video games are art, Justin Chichio, Lateral Movement, who's got a Donkey Kong kill screen coming up, Michael, posted in the Discord right now, Chiara Monty, Nick the Video Game Database Morgan, the other guy who collects Korean releases, Peaceful Games, The Promoter Retro RPG Podcast, Tex, who collects for Jaguar, Tom Obscure Variant Chaser Chase, Zavin Torian, he knows all 97 Nintendo games. Andrew actually collecting Engage O. B. Nugs! B. Nugs! Bionic Commando Colby! Corhagen does what Nintendo don't! Daniel McArdle, who thought this was the Retronauts Patreon! The Xbox Authority Danny Gomez! The Philatelist Dork Overlord! My Childhood PlayStation Idol Game Rave.com! Joe actually plays his games champ Pity! Joseph Rogers got 50,000 on Double Dragon? Homebrew Mastermind, Nick Ryan, and Sean the Video Game Illuminati LaCroix. Thank you guys so much. You guys see a Zelda sold for like a million dollars? 
Jesus.